Hello, and welcome to Coffee Break on Unsafe Space. I am one of your hosts, Carrie Smith, and I'm joined with my, by my co-host, Carter Laren. Hello, Hi. Carter. Today is Monday, Hi, October 18th, and if it's your first time here, this is a live show we do on Mondays and Fridays. Yes, I haven't done, I've still got to get back into doing the intro at 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific, but you know, 1 p.m. Texas time, if you live outside of the United States in the great land of Texas. Free, free land. <laughs> If, you live, if you live in the free state of Texas, we have our own time zone. Yeah. Uh, as a reminder, you can watch us at unsafespace.com, wherever wherever we're streaming, we're always there. And today we are, I think, on our main YouTube channel and on Utreon and on Odyssey. Uh, and the ghost of Unsafe Space is on Twitter if you want to follow that ghost. It's underscore Unsafe Space. So it's very sneakily named. Um, what else? We have book club coming up. If you've never participated mm. and you want to participate, you've got a week. You can still have time to read this book. It's called Texit. We're doing nonfiction this month. Texit, and it is. we're going to be discussing it on Sunday, October 24th. You can go to unsafespace.com or the book club page to find out more info. It's free to join and participate. Yep, that's this Sunday. This Sunday. Uh, yeah. Don't forget to uh, smash the subscribe button. Susan hates it when you do that, so do it a few times. And uh, we've told you this before, but I, I just want to reiterate, we we tried the carrot and now it's time for the stick. Um, As we've said before, the past few episodes, we have a uh, subscribe mandate. You must subscribe to this channel. Um, You forced us to force you to do it. (laughs) Sorry, I can't keep it up. We wouldn't have to, we wouldn't have to have the mandate if you would just do what you're told. If you would just so, do it voluntarily, yeah. we wouldn't if have to move into the... subscribe, we wouldn't have to mandate it. Then we wouldn't have yeah. to force you. Do you understand? Yeah. We gave you the period to do it voluntarily. Now we force you. <laughs> yeah. As, as Josie <laughs> says in chat, our patience is wearing thin. That's all. Our, you know. our patience is wearing thin. <laughs> I forgot he said hey, that. Hey, I wonder if we do uh, mandatory uh, donations to the show, too. I wonder if that works. You must go to unsafespace.com slash support and sign up. Uh, and you, you must have, and and you know there are many people, even those today in the chat who've already subscribed. Their subscription won't count unless you subscribe. So you you, right, you have to subscribe right. so that subscribe their subscription works. You yeah. have because you care about their subscription. Do you not care about their subscription? Right. I did. By the way, uh, for those of you who've been missing mugs, I'm sending a batch today. They're in the car. I just have to drop them off. But. Uh, you know, maybe we should just, we're withholding, we'll withhold mugs from other people if you don't subscribe. <laughs> that's how that works. We're not going to let <laughs> we're the We're going to recreate communism dock. on, on There's not going to be anything on the shelves for Christmas. We're not going to let these <laughs> ships dock and unload them unless you subscribe. <laughs> By the way, okay. uh, as much as I hate Biden, I'm not totally sure... What we expect him to do about, I mean, the government already created the crisis, the supply chain crisis through all of their pandemic crap. So like shipping containers are in the wrong spots and then shipping container companies went out of business and then, or, or right. stopped producing. And then like we have, like there's already a massive backlog and there's already, I'm pretty sure, very well aligned interests to get products to people who want to pay for them. As much as I like to complain about Biden, what are, what is the administration supposed to do about the supply chain and why are we blaming 
And we can blame them for everything they got here, but why are we... Everything that got here, on, right. Uh, he's on... Parent, uh, Buttigieg is out. He's our National Transportation Secretary. He's out on uh, paternity leave, so, we'll, you know. I think cool. some people... I think some people think that... Uh, I don't know if there's any validity to this, but some people don't believe that there's actually a supply... They think it's uh, on purpose, the supply chain problem. Some people... Some people say. Oh, oh. <laughs> Some people. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, like, you could read about this months ago. It's not like a thing that just mm -hmm. happened. You can right. read about it. It's been happening for a while, and it's directly related to what happens when governments shut down ports and forcibly stop uh, trade and all this kind of stuff. Both China and the U.S. did it and other countries, and it just caused a massive disruption in the supply chain and at one point i think shipping costs at one point were like i think almost an order of magnitude more than they used to be they've come down since then but i was like there's there was some craziness but you can look at the you know you can look at the uh the ships waiting outside uh on the pacific ocean down in yeah. LA, just sitting there so um yeah i don't know so yeah so dom says my cousin works in supply chain and they all think parts of it are deliberate I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what parts. Yeah, I, I mean, I would need more information. I'm just, you know, I never want to ascribe to like sinister planning what can be easily ascribed to just incompetence, which is usually 99. Look, I worked for the government. I, I worked for <laughs> I worked for the Department of Defense for a while, sadly, and I apologize for that. But I did work for the Department of Defense for a while. Like, were there a lot of things screwed up? Yes. Was it intentional? Very little of it. Most of it was just incompetence. So, welcome to the government. <laughs> so, uh, I I would be hard pressed to be convinced that there was some massive like, oh, we made sure that they stopped manufacturing shipping containers a year ago. I don't think that mm. happened. All right. Um, so we can blame Carter really on all, all this on Carter. Yes, Pirate Tomsky, you can blame all of it on me. It is my fault. So. Before we read some super chats, I just want to say I had a really unusual weekend because it ended up being uh, busier than expected with um, Mike Harlow was here visiting, possibly thinking oh. of moving to Texas, which was cool. I got to see Mikey and then uh, Zuby came back to Austin and had a, a meetup. And oh, cool. Yeah. And we, Mikey and I went to that and, and saw him. And you know what was really cool about that was so last time I saw him, it was just a small gathering for his birthday. This time he put the word out to the public, like, hey, let's meet up in Zilker Park. And all these people came, all these wrong thinkers from Austin. And it was really cool to see how just we're always saying on the show, you're not alone, even in a woke city, you're not alone. But to see it in person and to meet all these different people and to get to talk to them and, you know, find out what everybody does. And and it would be hard to categorize everybody who showed up as Everything we talk about on the show, they're not one political party. There are people there who are liberals, conservatives, everything in between. Atheists, Christians, you know, Buddhists. There's just like a whole range of people. And I think it's good to be reminded of that in the flesh, in person to say, our community, the people who are awake and who are freedom lovers is vast. It's large and it's, it's much more diverse than these uh, fundamentalist sort of cults and echo chambers that were fighting 
And it was just really, it was cool to see that in person. And it just reiterated for me that we need to be making these connections in real life. And, and like we did with our retreat and, and wherever you're at watching this show, you can organize something, you can organize it, you know, and get people together. It can start small. And anyway, it was positive. Yeah. So. And if you want help with something, like we had someone uh, reach out and say, I want a Canada only telegram chat so I can organize stuff. So we made one. That's fine. Um, so, yeah. But step up and do it. Cool. Um, all right. It's a bunch of stuff we could talk about today. There's a couple <laughs> super chats. We could read those first if you want. Uh, yeah. I just saw right. one. Craig Lighton. Thank you, Craig. He says, I made a new Biden pick for you. Check your messages. And I just did. I'm going to send this to you, Carter. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and Pirate Tomsky says something for y'all to read. Let's go, Brandon. Unless you're Canadian, then you're not allowed to say that. You can still say it. If you're in Canada. And also, aren't you from the UK, Pirate Tomsky? How, what gives you the right to say, let's go, Brandon? <laughs> Ross, Ross asks, is Canada still a thing? That's the best question I've ever seen. Is Canada still Poor Kent. Yes, Canada's a thing. <laughs> we have Canadians probably in chat right now. Um, they're very nice. <laughs> All right. Um, let's do some. You, let's let's do some news. What? Can you put this picture up, Beverly? Is it hard? Uh, oh, I don't know. Does she have it? Oh, I don't even have Signal open on my computer. I should. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. It's so meta. Craig made this. It's if you're just listening at home, it's I'm sniffing tiger and Biden's sniffing me sniffing tiger. <laughs> Sorry. I love stupid comedy. Okay. That's thank you. Thank you, Craig. <laughs> no, okay. Craig, not I'm not gonna thank you for that. <laughs> that was horrible, Craig. <laughs> uh, what you were thinking. <laughs> but I don't like it. You're uh, a dad. You don't like dad jokes? No, it was funny. <laughs> I am a dad. I didn't think I would be here today, but our child has decided that she's really not interested in her due date. So I also thought you would be gone today. <laughs> yeah, I was like, and now I'm thinking, I was like, oh, I'm not going to have to do a dangerous thoughts this week. And now I'm like, well, maybe I should plan to do it this week because yeah, who knows? Um, yeah, life just... Nothing's ever, you know, nothing ever works out the way you plan. So that's okay. That's part of life. All right. I don't know. There's a bunch of stuff going on. The stuff that we, that happened earlier that we didn't talk about. Um, I think the news over the weekend is mostly about the Chicago stuff, but I don't know if you've paid attention to that. What are you, what are you interested in mostly? Oh, um, Barry Weiss is going around. Weiss is going around. Weiss. Yeah. We could play that Barry Weiss video. I would like to see that clip and talk about it for a second. Right. So uh, the video means I need to play it. So hold you on. have to play it. So Bari, I can't believe this, but our f favorite CNN commentator, Brian Stelter, which is saying a lot. And I'm not saying that sarcastically out of all of them. He's probably, I would say I dislike Don Lemon even more. <laughs> so he's probably up here. I'll be honest. I don't know who they are. So <laughs> Brian Stelter uh had he had Barry Weiss on which is very surprising and I think she just she killed it I'm happy I'm surprised he even let her on but she was trying to explain why we're in a clown world she didn't use the word clown world but she said why the world has gone mad and if you haven't seen this piece yet I think 
it, I think it's really good. It's one that you can share because I think she makes a, a good, reasonable case to someone like him who's part of clown world about like how normal people view the what's going on and his part in it. Yeah, but I don't think it penetrates his hide. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, all right. Well, here she is. And let me know if there's a sound issue, but it should be all good. You write, there are tens of millions of Americans who aren't on the hard left or the hard right who feel the world has gone mad. So in what ways has the world gone mad? Well, you know, when you have the chief reporter on the beat of COVID for the New York Times talking about how questioning or pursuing the question of the lab leak is racist, the world has gone mad. When you're not able to say out loud and in public that there are differences between men and women, the world has gone mad. When we're not allowed to acknowledge that rioting is rioting and it is bad, and that silence is not violence, but violence is violence, the world has gone mad. When we're not able to say that Hunter Biden's laptop is a story worth pursuing, the world has gone mad. When in the name of progress, young school children, as young as kindergarten, are being separated in public schools because of their race, and that is called progress rather than segregation, the world has gone mad. There hmm. are dozens of examples that I could share with, with you and with and your you viewers. And you often say, you say everyone allowed. Everyone sort of knows this. And you say we're not allowed, we're not able. Between... Who's the people stopping the conversation? Who are they? <laughs> <laughs> um, By the way, the thing that I, that really is interesting. Well, it's not, look, he's having her on specifically so he can then later claim we had that you on, da, 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 right? That's the only reason he has her on. And unfortunately she's saying we're not allowed, we're not allowed. And he's going to then try and get her on a technicality. Like, well, technically you're allowed. Da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> he's such a douche. Weasel. Yeah. I was going to say douche, but I was trying to not swear. People let work at networks, frankly, like the one I'm speaking on right now, who try and claim that, you know, it was it was racist to investigate the lab leak theory. It was. But I mean, who let's said just that take at an CNN? Example. But I'm just saying, that when you say allowed, I just think it's a provocative thing you say. You say you say we're not allowed to talk about these things, but they're all over the internet. Well, what, I can Google them. Brian, I can find them everywhere. I've heard about every story you mentioned. So I'm just suggesting, of course, people are allowed to cover whatever they want to cover. But you and I both know, and it would be delusional to claim otherwise, that touching your finger to an increasing number of subjects that have been deemed third rail by the mm. mainstream institutions and increasingly by some of the tech companies will lead to reputational damage, perhaps you losing your job, um, your children sometimes being demonized as well. And so what happens is a kind of internal self-censorship. This mm. is something that I saw over and over again when I was at the New York Times. Yeah. You know, something she should have said there was she should have also pointed out, he says, you know, you can Google this stuff, you can find it. No, first of all, you can't. We know this. They bury, they bury these things in search results. They actively censor. We've had videos taken down. Our channel is relatively benign. I don't think we're that controversial, even given our name on Safe Space. We don't, we don't say anything that should be considered controversial. We uh, back up you know, what we're talking about with, with facts. If we say, if we are guessing about something or saying, you know, there's been speculation about this, we make it clear that we're speculating or that people have questions about something. We, 
uh, we oppose racism and sexism. It's like, what is what are we saying that's that controversial? But we've had videos deleted. They actively censor people who ask these questions that she's talking about, and they make it hard to find information. And at the same time, YouTube, they've told us openly, they've changed their algorithm to the degree that they now will boost what they call authoritative sources like CNN, like Brian Stelter. So when you're searching for something, they make it hard to find and they bury it under six pages of search results from people like him, from authoritative crap sources like him. This reminds me of, did you see the John, I don't have the video of it, but did you see the John Stewart clip over the weekend as well? Yeah, I was on Chrissy Meyer's show and she played it for me. Yeah, he made some, I, maybe you remember it better, but he made some comment basically about like, oh, well, this isn't, uh, you know, it's not, what do you say? It's not censorship. It's just people don't like what you have to say. Like there's, no, it's not cancel culture. It's not cancel culture. It's just, hey, your fellow, your like fellow citizens, people don't like what you have to say. So, uh, you know, you're just suffering wow. the consequences. That's I didn't it, see right? that part of it actually. So oh, that's yeah. really disturbing. Yeah. And he said, oh, he started off by saying, oh, most people that the thing about people who, who talk about cancel culture is they won't shut up about it. That's how he started. Um, and then he started talking about how, well, it's not really cancel culture because it's just, you know, you're saying things that people don't like. So you that's not true. That's not true. Look at who's been affected by cancel culture. The people who have a lot of people who like what they have to say alex jones booted from platforms why because a lot of people like what he had to say milo right, yiannopoulos of yeah of course john stewart right. you're a liar <laughs> yeah and and it's the same defense that you would use in the witch in witch hunts in salem like well you know it's not it's just we don't like what abigail adams has to say so we're just gonna you know burn her at the stake it's not a cancel culture it's just we don't like it it's like okay well that's what cancel culture is, dude. Cancel culture is when the, the people in power don't like it and take actions to shut it up. That's what cancel culture is. That's what it is. Um, and I, Beverly I think we says, need to be reminded. Go ahead. Beverly says, oh, I thought Jon Stewart was waking up a bit before. Me too, Beverly. I thought he was sort of. Yeah. I even yeah, said this stopped. on Chrissy's show this weekend is that he seemed to me like he might be becoming a closet wrong thinker. But if he's saying that crap, then. No, no, he went back to sleep apparently, but uh, or or he went from waking up to woke. I don't know, but yeah, the the reason this is why this is why fighting the cultural battle is more important than anything else because if you have a culture of uh, in which it's not okay to say some of the things that Barry uh, Weiss just talked about, right? <laughs> men are men, women are women you know, pretty standard stuff like that, or, hey, let's not segregate our kids, or the Hunter Biden laptop story is worthy, uh, newsworthy. Mm -hmm. um, if you live in a culture where you can't say that, it doesn't matter what the rules are. It doesn't matter what the laws are. It actually doesn't even matter what the, I mean, it's worse if there's rules on Twitter that you get taken down. But if everyone around you is just going to do their damnedest to get you fired and, and harass people who who listen to you or harass you or get like try and force you in some way to shut up. It doesn't, it kind of doesn't matter what the, that you mm -hmm. have free speech technically, um, which is why culture is so much more important than, than the rules that we sometimes focus on. Right. Right. Um, so, well, and plus what she, some of those examples she gave 
specifically, you could not say on Twitter, the Hunter Biden laptop story is a great one. It was censored. News organizations had their stories. So was the COVID uh, leak. So was the the COVID leak. Yeah. So was the Wuhan leak. So was, by the way, differences between men and women. You'll get banned on Twitter if you say that. Megan Murphy. Yes. Yes. So for them to say, there's no censorship. What are you talking about? It's like, it's not just the self-censorship that she's talking about, which is absolutely true. And that's, I think, to a large degree, the self-censorship is even worse than the censorship that these well, authori- that's the goal authoritative of censorship. Right. Yeah. The self-censorship is worse and it's more pervasive, but they actively censor these stories and these topics. Of course they do. Yeah. From the people who do. will speak about it. Yeah. Which reminds me of maybe now's a good time to pull up the other article that you sent on Signal earlier. Yes. CNN, Carrie. This is great. Let's do this. So Beverly, that was a cue for you. And I've got another picture to send you related to this article. Right. Can you read can you read this one while I pull uh, this up? Yeah. So let me just pull this up on my computer because it's hard to see there. It's the title of this CNN article is These Four Words Are Helping Spread Vaccine Misinformation. And you scroll down and it says, Four little words. Do your own research are hurting the U.S. pandemic response. CNN's chief media correspondent, Brian Stelter, said on Reliable Sources, hey, hey, I've heard of him. Um, And it's having real consequences as personalities from Nicki Minaj to Sean Hannity continue to promote the idea. Um, And then it goes on, you know, Minaj raised doubts. It should only get the vaccine once she'd, quote, done enough research. So I find what I find interesting about this is this is this is a desperate attempt so they actually don't i don't want to say this it is true that most people aren't qualified to do their own research about vaccines that's true most people aren't qualified to do their own research too much about many things that is true it doesn't mean they shouldn't do any research they should still kind of do it and usually what happens is they hear different experts who are qualified with different disagreeing opinions, and they what happens is they usually kind of gravitate towards well, of the of the things that are out there and the arguments that are being made, these are the ones that are making sense to me, and this is the and this is how these relate to my specific concerns and whatever, and they make a decision, right? And that's mm-hmm. true about just about anything. Um, so th- the idea that um, doing your own research means that you're going to go like get a degree in virology and compete with like you're not going to go you're not going to go be a virologist or a microbiologist but you are ultimately the only one responsible for the decisions you make so the extent to which you outsource information is something that you need to be doing consciously you need to be like okay well this is the part i'm outsourcing and you should hear what CNN has to say and what others have to say. And it should, and there are many factors that you should take into account, such as how trustworthy are the sources based on past experience? Um, Are there other agendas? Um, Like all of that stuff, all that stuff matters. And so this, they're, they're, they're painting this thing, like do your own research as bad, but what they really don't like it's not that you're doing your own research. It's that you're landing on other people who have done their own research who do know what they're talking about, and yes. they disagree. That's what they don't like. Yes. What they don't like is just like Jacinda Arden. We want to be the single source of information. Like, yes, 
they're pissed off that they're not the single source of information. There are other people who are experts, who have done their own research, who are qualified to do their own research, who have different opinions about the cost-benefit analysis of some of the things being pushed by mainstream media, if I can yes. be as obtuse as possible about stepping put around this, Put this image up that I just sent you guys. It's related to what you're talking about. And I, I don't know if you've seen this compilation that's going around of recent headlines that are very similar to this CNN one. Um, mm -hmm. Let's see. You're going to put this up, Beverly? She's got it. She just has to download it from Signal because she doesn't want to. Okay. okay. So if you're just listening at home, this is just a, a little uh, <laughs> image, a meme that somebody made with four different headlines. So here's sorry, one from the first Slate. Making me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> here's one from Slate. It's time to give up on facts. <laughs> I Slate. I think you did that a long time ago, Slate. Thank you for leading the way. And giving up on facts. <laughs> Didn't you do that back when you started saying that you could identify as large empty rooms or dinosaurs or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here's another one. Uh, this one is questioning authority has become too much of a good thing and it's killing people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's one from the New York Times. Don't go down the rabbit hole. Critical thinking as we're taught to do it isn't helping the fight against misinformation. <laughs> Okay, and then here's Forbes headline. You must not do your own research when it comes to science. <laughs> science is such a broad category. Anything related to science, which, by the way, I think Biden has has um, put everything related to health and finance. And in, in he's touched on he's related those to science at some point in his speeches in the last couple of years. So basically anything you can't do your own research on. Um it's yeah like they you know, should just so he, call this it's time to give up on facts and research from well, it, that yeah that the is what they're science. saying yeah <laughs> yeah no that is what they're saying and look i i don't know that anyone that listens to this show needs to be told this but you avoid anyone who says anything like any of that right like <laughs> anyone who says don't do your own research don't look at facts stop questioning authority don't go down the critical thinking rabbit hole. No honest person with real information that they're confident about will ever tell you that. I would like, we don't tell you that. We don't say, and no matter what topic we talk about, we would never say, like if we had, I'm not, I'm trying to not use the words, but like if we had something to say about the coof or the wine that one is mandated to drink about that, mm -hmm. you know, supposedly prevents the coof, look, no one would say like, not, not, neither one of us, no one that I know, no one on the wrong thinking side of the aisle would say, don't look up the information I just said. Like, instead we're like, right. look up the information, look up data. Please this is where I found data. Here are some sources. If yes. you find other data, please tell us. This is where we're finding data. Hey, look what this person's saying. Look, like anyone worth their salt tells you don't take me for, don't take my word for it. Never, never take our word for it. Like, yeah, you can learn to trust people and like they're reliable and that's fine. And like they make a good argument for something, you consider it. But if you, something is sketchy or smell doesn't pass the smell test, like no one would say, don't, no one honest would say, don't do your own research on this. Just right. trust what I'm saying about it. That is, I, I can't think of anything more anti-Western civilization than that statement. It's it's literally 
it's what a thug says. It's what do you remember the movie Chicago? It's one of my favorite scenes. It's a there's a there's a scene in Chicago where uh ah, shit. So I I don't remember who it was. Um but one of the actresses, one of the I don't I don't even remember what it was Roxy or Velma. It doesn't matter. Uh I think it was Roxy. Her boyfriend is like cheating on her in bed with like two other women and she walks in she walks in on them in bed and he's like come on baby you're gonna believe what your eyes tell you or what i'm telling you like he's like you believe what you see or what i'm telling you like nothing's going on like he's like just blatantly like nothing's happening are you gonna believe your eyes or what i'm telling you and she shoots him i think um appropriately (laughs) (laughs) right but it's like it's that kind of it like i remember thinking to myself the level of gall uh, for a guy like for a guy like that to say you're gonna believe what your eyes are telling you you're gonna believe me baby it was like but that's that's the, what they're that's, saying that's yeah that's brian stelter now. much less good looking brian stelter saying you're gonna believe what your google searches and and your research is telling you or are gonna believe me um yeah that's what just, somebody said in chat you know i am the science i mean that's what fauci said that's very similar to Jacinda in New Zealand saying, I'm the number one, I'm the only source of truth, right? Like I am the science, I am the source of truth. You only get it from us. We're the single source of information. That is what they're saying. And it, I, I want people to recognize one, it's abuse. It's an abusive manipulation tactic. Uh, two, it's also what cult leaders do. It's what cults are oh, like. Absolutely, it's what cult you, leaders do. Yeah. Yeah, you can't don't question. listen to outside sources. In fact, wait, I'm going to interject because you just reminded me of something. I grew up. Not a lot of people know this, and I don't talk a lot about it. But my childhood was laced with some, shall we say, radical extreme cultism, and uh, that was one of the directives from the the leader who was my father. Uh, that was one of the directives. Do not read or listen to anything that contradicts anything you're being told. Like that was a very clear, it was, I don't know if it was rule number one, but it was high up there on the rule list of like, do not, if you're starting to read something and it like seems to kind of contradict or might be going against something you've heard, put it down. Do not, you do not read it. Um, It's also, so that they're doing this with COVID now, they're doing this cult tactic of all the all the propaganda as we just saw the headlines are saying don't read anything don't do your own research don't look at anything that might contradict what we're telling you we want to be the single source of information and keep in mind this is very much like this is why the covid cult overlaps with the woke cult they're sort of the same now um the woke cult has always done the same and it's just like you in your situation carter you were in a cult i was in the, a different kind of cult but it was the same thing we were told you, you couldn't watch or interact with anyone that they had deemed a bad person. Um, so, so you know, you would have opinions that they right. gave you right. about certain people. Like, I hate it. I'll give you some yeah, examples. Yeah, don't hang out with blankety I, blank. Never. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. they had, I had an opinion about Steven Crowder without actually having ever watched his content. I, and I worked in the comedy world and he's kind of a comedian and, commentator uh on the right and so i believe that he was fat phobic misogynist racist all these different things that and i had never even watched one video of his but i and i knew i wasn't supposed to they tell you you can't so you have these opinions and you don't interact with it right right 
Yep. And they keep you from, they keep you in the cage that way. And that's what they're trying to do with COVID. They're trying to keep people in this cage and they're openly the gall, like you said, the gall of openly telling us now in headlines, don't do any research. Don't go down the rabbit hole. It's time to get rid of facts. <laughs> they say that openly. <laughs> like, no, I know. And the, and the circle, the circle of acceptable acquaintances, um, at least in my experience, slowly closes, right? So at first yeah. it's like, you can't talk to these people. Then you can't talk to these people. Then eventually for us, it was like, you can't talk to grandma. <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was yeah. like, whoa, it got really insular. Um, and that's because um, that's part of kind of the purity spiral, the ideological purity spiral, because it's the 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 narrative is so fragile that and, and of course, the more pure, the longer the narrative goes on, if it's disconnected from reality, the more fragile it becomes. So at the beginning, it's like, well, stay away from the big threats. And then it's like, well, the medium-sized threats are like, they can threaten it now too, because it's getting more and more fragile. So the longer time goes on, the more fragile the narrative becomes, which means the tighter you have to control any counter narratives, the more dangerous they are. So it gets to the point where another woke leftist who will believes one slightly different thing will become a huge threat because that slightly different thing is no longer part of the, the doctrine or whatever and they'll need to be locked out. Like it will get, it just, it continues. We've seen this we, and we see the yeah, purity spirals. It's, That's what happens. It's more and more. So uh, a quick aside on this about the guilt by association that you're talking about is they, okay, here's a great documentary to watch. I know we've plugged this before, but Mike Cernovich has a documentary called Hoaxed, which is about the media and the narratives that they spin in the echo chamber. And, and part of that documentary really also deals with this whole guilt by association thing and the way that the way that they character assassinate people in the media so that you stay away from them and you don't, you don't actually look into who they are or what they believe. And a great example in that, that documentary is he interviews Cassie J who's the feminist who did the documentary, uh, the red pill. And her story is really interesting. It's similar to mine. She was in the woke feminist world. Um, and then she started waking up. And and what's fascinating about her is you get to watch her waking up in her documentary, The Red Pill. She starts off doing this doc like she's done several feminist docs before. And this one is with a certain agenda, a certain narrative. She's going to do an expose on the Men's Rights Association. Association. And over the course of our men's rights activists. And over the course of the documentary, you watch her. Pre, uh, her presuppositions being challenged, her her whole worldview starts to open up and she starts to become aware of things that she was in an echo chamber. And it's really cool. So in that documentary hoaxed, she says, once I did that, once I put that documentary out, they really came after me. And, and they show clips of the news media came after her. They called her all these things that aren't true. They called her right wing. They said now she's anti-feminist, which is not true. They They really tried to assassinate her character because of the doc. And she said, once that happened to me, then I realized, oh, maybe they've done that to other people that I've stayed away from because I believed what the media said about them. And so she started looking into these different. And that's so true. I believed what they said about Cernovich. I believed what they said about uh, Stephen Crowder. And until you actually look into these people and you realize, oh, God, they've been telling me what to think about this person. And so yeah. that's why. I'm just, I'll just finish this with, I don't like that. I know some people who are in this um, 
wrong thinker world or whatever, who, even though they're for truth, they or they'll still play that. They're still, they, they have enough fear of being put on that list that they will play the guilt by association game and they won't associate with certain people. And I don't like that. I, I'll pretty much like, I don't care what the media said to someone I'll still associate with them unless I know them to be a person myself, having dealt with them of bad character. I don't want anything to do with you if you're a bad character. But if I don't know that to be true, then I'm not going to go based on what the media says. Like they try and make Milo untouchable, someone you shouldn't hang out with. Well, I don't know him to be a person of bad character. So I'm not going to go along with that crap. You know, that's kind of, that's my take on that is you can't play it. They'll, you can't play it. Cause like you're saying, Carter, they'll keep expanding it until it includes you anyway. If you, you, if you play it, you're giving them the power. You're like, okay, yeah, I'll stay away from these people that you've deemed, um, you know, irredeemable media. Right. Right. No, I don't go based on the media. Actually, the person that that comes to mind when you say that for me is, uh, Stefan Molyneux because he has, I don't know, thousands of podcasts. I mean, like over a decade of stuff he's said, and there's like, you know, I guess over the time he said some things that either he meant and were prop quote problematic or, you know, he's speaking extemporaneously. I mean, that many hours, you're going to say stuff that's not exactly correct. And you can piece things together and say, look, he's a blankety blank, blankety blank person or whatever you want. Um, and, and they do that. I've, I've, they've did that to him quite a lot. Oh, he's a white supremacist, blah, blah, blah. He's not right. He's not. but they totally made him out to be the bad guy. Um, and, you know, if, if you have any kind of context and have watched him at all, he seems like a very smart, rational guy committed to trying to make the world a better place. And, you know, there's nothing really offensive about him in any way, but, uh, but he's willing to kind of talk about stuff. Like he talked about the race and IQ stuff before other people did. He, you know, he interviewed Charles Murray a long time ago, right? Mm-hmm. He, he had conversations that were just difficult and hard to have. And that got him in a lot of trouble. Um, yeah. but they, they didn't like him and they canceled him and he's off of YouTube. So yeah. Uh, someone says what got him canceled was him talking about how he got introduced to the gay lifestyle. I never oh, talking about Milo. Oh, Milo. Milo. Oh yeah. Well, that was Milo. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think he's gay. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I agree. I do. I do say it's fine to not hang out. Like it's fine to have nothing to do with certain people, but make it based oh, on yeah. your own firsthand knowledge, not what your own knowledge or the or knowledge of, or the knowledge of people you actually trust. Like I have firsthand knowledge of, of some people that no, I don't want to be associated with that person. And if there's somebody I trust like you or Slocum or someone, then it's like, yeah, I'll take that. That means a lot more than a media assassination. Sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah, if Slocum calls us and says you should have so and so and so is great, you should hang out with them. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah you trust means, your friends. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah. but the media telling me, and I, I used to believe all that crap. I used to believe the media characterization of people, and so coming out of that, I realized, oh, I had to start reevaluating people. Do I actually know anything about what that person believes, or do I just know what the media told me to think about them? Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> By the way, I just want to shout out and say hi to Adam Coleman, who's here. Adam, I did not realize that Twitter was competing with Clubhouse until last night when I saw some little thing on Nikki's Twitter and I clicked on it and you were speaking. Uh, so I listened for a little while. Apparently, did you know this, Carrie? Twitter's yeah. got like a Clubhouse thing now? I didn't realize that. 
Um, all right, so I'm the old. I'm the boomer. <laughs> so, it's okay. Like Twitter has a clubhouse thing. All right. I didn't really like Clubhouse anyway, so I guess Twitter's going to take that up. I'm just right, laughing because I feel like such what? an old person on on all these apps and stuff because I'm a, a bit of a Luddite myself, but then you make me feel better about where I'm at on that spectrum of knowledge because <laughs> like, you here's don't the use thing. it enough. You yeah, here's the thing. Like, yeah. I'm I'm a technical <laughs> person. Like, I write code. In fact, like, I did some stuff yesterday. Like, I'm a technical person, but I'm not interested in any of the like newfangled apps and like i don't care i don't care so uh like i'm i'm technical but i'm not like into it from like a consumer perspective does that make sense yes i'm similar i don't i really there are some new apps that i really don't want to have to learn but i'm trying to but i don't really don't want to have to learn TikTok. but i i'm trying to so I have a TikTok now and I do not have it. I don't even know how it works. I've tried to make <laughs> then the other thing is uh the oh oh I downloaded this thing called blocks where it's like a game. It's sort of like Tetris. And my my, my husband was playing it. And I it's so addictive. You guys, I don't know how anybody gets any tweets done because <laughs> once I got it, once I got blocks, that's all I want to do is play it and get better. I got a high score, 4,500. If the left really wants to just take Carrie out, they'll just mail her some heroin and she'll be just... <laughs> Something massively addictive. Or the, a heroin version of an app, I guess they'll send it to her. Um, yeah, let's do some... Uh, let's do some super chats. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. G-Man says... These stories of censorship are anecdotal. We need a government-funded study and Senate hearings before we plebes and we'll know the truth. And then, just for you, he put in sarcasm. Thank you. So you knew <laughs> That's for more that than just me. Do you know? <laughs> Basically just you. Me. Daniel Harp says, it's not enough now to just be a journalist. You must now be anti-journalism. <laughs> I agree with that. You must be anti-journalism. Uh, excellent idea. Mandy uh, Caravicius, who I don't know how to say her name because she never told us, says, give Beverly a raise. Carrie and Carter should give Beverly 30% of each super chat for forcing her to have to look at CNN and fake news garbage. Rainbow Dolphin. Well, Mandy, uh, if you want Beverly to get a raise, you just got to support the show more. That's how that works. <laughs> so can't get blood from a rock. Christopher Gorey says, Far Father Arthur Pulowski was freed on the condition he preached sermons legitimizing the vaccine. Compelled speech is here, well, at least in Canada. Wow. I did not know that. Who is Father Arthur Pulowski? Is he that guy that we watched the video of who kicked the people out of the church? I hope, I hope he didn't agree to legitimize the vaccine. I don't think so. We'd have to look him up. Polowski. I, yeah, I know. I'm, it's not good to do it in real time, but I am. He's a Polish-Canadian street preacher and political street preacher and political actor. He might be then. Yeah. Yes, Carter. Know. That's him. Rock, rock lexicon says. Ah, uh, he's got a he's got to preach sermons legitimizing. I mean, I'm but sorry. He, uh, he probably won't that... do it. Can you imagine him doing it? If I got freed on that condition, I would do a really satirical. Uh, sermon. They're the best. 
Yeah. yeah. Vaccines are awesome. Lots of sarcasm, and maybe. The especially this new one that was developed less than a year ago is my favorite that hasn't it, I know it doesn't hasn't had longitudinal studies yet, and there's lots of reports on bears, but what I've heard about this vaccine is that if you care about people, you'll get it, and that they um they allowed us to get it voluntarily, but since enough people didn't get it, now they have to force us. But why should they have to force us since it's so cool? Like do, right. do speech and- like that. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it works so well that you have to get it in order for it to work on me yeah um adam coleman says this is my donation to fix the air conditioning in the unsafe gulag by the way the winners of my book raffle were both from unsafe space of course oh awesome oh cool um is your air conditioner broken no i don't know what he's talking about oh. but... Uh, maybe maybe you're in Texas and it is hot there, so maybe he wants you to have air conditioning. I don't know. So we are in the middle of, like, I've had friends in town, and then also we're renovating this house so we can sell it. And then there's, because we have to make enough money to fix up the other house, and it's just been a lot of stuff. And I was actually going to say today, if there's noise, it's because they're doing demo work right now to the skirting outside and the roof and there's just yeah all kinds of stuff happening here oh i by the way i'm getting it adam is saying we're going to end up in a gulag so we need oh okay (laughs) (sighs) sorry that one right over my head adam right over my head okay um by the way speaking since we're speaking of this topic uh did you see um First of all, did you see the Fauci guidelines? He was asked on ABC News. uh, Hey, what are we allowed to do? It turns out, Carrie, if you're fully vaccinated, you are allowed to have Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas. I did not see those, but you know what? I've never needed your permission, government, to celebrate (laughs) holidays the way I want to. And I'm not going to start now. Like, I don't need your... (laughs) Excuse me. That's not your role. I just... I'm sorry. I need to ask Fauci what I can do because he hasn't made it clear. <laughs> uh, by the way, you, speaking of uh, speaking of you, blaming unvaccinated people for things, I, I and I said this on Twitter already, but look, I appreciate the credit for Colin Powell, but I had nothing to do with it. So thank you for the credit, but it's not me. It's not you. I I just wanted to uh, plug something, if if I may. Mm-hmm. There's a YouTuber named Jamie Deluxe who. I was aware of him originally because he he did a lot of he's out of South Carolina, which is where I'm from, but he did a lot of videos about pedophilia in Hollywood. And I know he kept getting banned. And so he had to create new channels, I think. But anyway, now he's been doing. How dare you talk about that? Right. And now he's been doing a lot of videos about Fauci and he's got some interesting ones up where he's very good at, at scouring different archives and pulling together print articles and video footage that you may not have seen before. And he's got two on Fauci and the AIDS uh, crisis and on the drug AZT, which are really oh. interesting. And I didn't know some of that history. I didn't know the history of, of Fauci being involved in that. I didn't know he was related to pushing AZT. I didn't know about all the questions about that drug and whether it was helping or hurting people. And you can watch actual like footage with um the guy who developed PCR testing, who's totally anti-Fauci and had a lot of stuff to say about him. You can watch interviews with him from back then in the 90s 
So mm. go check out Jamie Deluxe's channel. I I found it really informative just to watch some of that old footage. And he he dug through a lot of um, print publications to find things that are not online. So okay. you know to give people context for for this this bureaucrat who's been around pushing pharmaceutical solutions, expensive pharmaceutical solutions for a while now. Anyway. Yeah. Not surprising. Um, yeah, I'll find the link how, I mean, for you guys. That's how you climb the ladder to get to the position you're in now. You do it early on. Um, Daniel Harp gives a super chat and says, everyone check out Aussie Cossack on YouTube. He's an Australian actively fighting the tyrants in the courts. Also, he's hilarious. Oh, we'll have to check that out. Thank you, Daniel. Um, yeah, so Fauci did the guidelines. Uh, and then did you also see – I thought this was interesting. Beverly, there's an article in the – in notion about this, the Vax News, there's a Treasury official that claimed that basically, um, so as you know, there's there's some problems with the economy, right? <laughs> right now, inflation is is quite high. Uh, I think it cost us almost 100 bucks to fill our gas tank uh, yesterday. Um, so inflation is kind of high. Um, we have obviously the supply chain issue. And this guy, this Treasury official claims that, well, uh, we're in an economy of transition, and the only way out is if everyone is – ultimately, this will, will last until everyone is vaccinated, everyone in the world. Um, and I think this what's interesting about this is they're going to start using this as an excuse for every failure, right? Anything that's not going well, they're going to start saying, well, it's because not everyone is yeah. – not everyone is is vaxxed. Um, but that's what he's essentially doing. He's essentially saying, well, we're in a quote economy of transition and it's nothing, none of this is Biden's fault. None of this is how we've managed the economy. It has nothing to do with printing trillions of dollars. It has nothing to do with a three point trillion dollars equals zero budget. It has nothing to do with, uh, shutting down the entire economy and putting a bunch of people out of business and then writing checks for people to go to the store and get bread. It has nothing to do with any of the stuff, the socialism that has, transpired in the last couple of years it only has to do with or predominantly has to do with well if you would just it's a medical issue the mm -hmm. economy is a medical issue guys if you just get the get the jab the economy will be fine it'll be shangri-la um i just i wanted there's not a lot to say with that you can put the article away beverly i just the the, the notion that they are going to use this as a scapegoat um, yeah is something I think people should be aware of. They are going to any kind of failure. It doesn't matter what it is. They will figure out how to link it back to the unvaxxed are the problem. Remember that running joke about how um, like when Obama was in office and a lot of people on the right wanted to blame things on him. And I was, I was on the left as people know. And so we used to do this joke where we would say something bad, like, you know, my, uh, like, my mail didn't get here today. Thanks, Obama. You know, it's just sort of like saying thanks, Obama, about anything. Right. Well, so then the same thing happened. I know when Trump was president because they blamed everything on Trump. And so the joke was like, you know, it rained today. Thanks, Trump. And <laughs> like, right. but but now you could do that joke with like uh, with the with unvaxxed because that's exactly what's happening. It's sort of like, yeah. oh, I spilled my coffee yeah. on myself. Thanks, unvaccinated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't get that job. Thanks. Un yeah. Whatever. yeah. I stepped in dog poop. Thanks. Unvaxxed. Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's your fault. So stupid. Uh, yeah. Um, 
By the way, uh, I just I do want to point out that even though we mock ourselves as being boomers a little bit, did you see the Missouri governor Mike Parsons boomer? I just there's not a lot to this story either, but I just want to point that. Did you see his thing, Beverly? Pull up the the tweet. This was amazing to me. This is an amazing level of because it's boomerism combined I guess does boomerism include arrogance I guess maybe so you're talking about the new definition of boomerism which has nothing to do with the generation yeah 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 I'm not yeah right yeah, yeah. okay no yeah <laughs> not really no not really the generation thing um so um so here's what happened the the state made a website and in the website they buried Social security numbers of educators in the website. Now, to be clear, it this wasn't encrypted. This wasn't like a thing that you had to hack. If you you can do it now, if you're watching on our, uh, you know, it'll be embarrassingly messy if you do it on our page. But wow. it doesn't matter. You can do it on YouTube. Press F12 on your keyboard if you're watching on a computer, and it will pull up a developer's console, which will have the source code and everything else. That's what these people did. They pressed F12. It's just it's this is the this is the raw data that you get when you go to a website, you get the data from the website. And in that data were social security numbers of educators, right? And this guy is trying to claim that this is a hack. And he's got these, look, Highway Patrol's digital forensic unit is investigating. And he is arguing that these are hackers and how dare they could do it. Now, what a way to shift blame, by the way. I mean, the right thing to say is we actually broke the law by publishing social security numbers in HTML, uh, like on the page. We, we broke the law by exposing data that should not have been exposed. It is our fault. That's the right answer to this. Instead, he was like, hey, someone read a web page. <laughs> They're hackers. <laughs> They're hackers because they read the data in the web page and they're hackers. And he has like a whole thing. And I, I just. Like, take responsibility, dude. You're incompetent. Anyone. You put your social security number out there. Yeah. We're sorry. <laughs> Renov, wait. Renovatio says, I blame the unvaccinated. That's the right answer. Also. <laughs> That's exactly. Yeah. So he said that. <laughs> Thanks, unvaccinated. That's it. That's. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. That's what he, the only the only worst thing he could have done was to be to blame the unvaccinated. But uh, yeah, I mean, and I just I do want to say this, and this uh, this is a uh, this is just an example to highlight. If you're in law enforcement, or you are DA, or you know whatever. You don't get to hide by just doing my job. If you're asked to do something that is wrong, the only thing to do when you have, if you want to escape with integrity, is to say no. Just doing my job is not an excuse. If you're in Missouri and they're asking you to be involved in in prosecuting people who literally pressed F12 on a fucking keyboard, you can't do it and walk away and think you're a good person. You can't. You can't. You're on the wrong side. You're the bad guy. The minute you compromise your values, you're the bad guy. You can't do it. And I'm sick of this. I, like Because it's getting worse and worse and worse, you are going to be asked to do, 
I know a lot of people were like, well, I don't really agree with this, but I'll enforce it. I don't really agree with that. You're going to be asked to do increasingly horrific things yes. to your fellow citizens. And you better draw the fucking line in the sand somewhere and put on your big boy pants and lose your job if you need to. But you've got to stop being part of the problem because this blind back the blue crap, which I thought was stupid at the beginning, is getting increasingly stupid and more and more people are waking up realizing you're the one coming for us. If you're the one enforcing these, and that, by the way, I do have respect for the intentions of a lot of people that decided to go in law enforcement, especially the older generation. They went in with good intentions often. Not all of them are quote, I don't like to say not all of them are bad, but like when you're enforcing bad laws, you're bad. Stop enforcing bad laws. Stop doing what is goes against your conscience. It's not worth it. A paycheck is not worth it. It's just but not. Carter, what if it's what? my job? Oh, well, if it's your job, that's fine. <laughs> what you can do during the Nuremberg travels is just write down, I was just doing my job, America. And then you'll be totally off the hook. Also, for those of you who are religious, God will also be fine with that too. If you go to the pearly gates at the end and you're like, well, I know that I did all these horrific things that pushed uh, our our government to authoritarianism, but hey, I was getting a paycheck, big man. So what do you expect? He will be like, yes, that's excellent. You can stay up here. <laughs> yeah, we are in. We are in. You know what's? Here's here's a silver lining for these times, though. We're in times where you're learning, like the metal of men. You're learning who's what people are really made of and what they're about. And there's something. Yeah good about that i mean in a way oh my gosh i mean i'm sure this is true for everybody watching in the past year and a half i learned so much about people not just humans in general that things i didn't know before about humans in groups about how about the power of propaganda and persuasion and about human nature but i also learned things about individuals that i know and things i didn't know before about them like oh you're the type of person who'll just go along with evil right right okay i didn't know that like where do you want me to march the jew exactly. oh yeah oh, oh sure mm -hmm. yeah. yeah oh well hey it's my job i'm in the police battalion what do you want so it's been very illuminating and that i'd say that's a silver lining is learning about the character of people and who you have in your life and there are people that um are no longer in my life because of the way they sure. responded to this you know that i would sure. say behave like a good German, you know, if you know what that expression means. And I don't know. Yeah, well, Germans trust aren't, you? <laughs> I don't know that Germans are much different than a lot of us, right? And I don't, yeah. I, I know there's arguments that like there's different cultural differences and whatever, but you know, I, we're seeing a lot of people. I, I think we're seeing a lot of people who would be happy to yeah. pull the trigger against their fellow yeah. citizens. And they um, would do it while saying, I'm doing this for the public good. Yeah, they would, because the only way to do evil on a mass scale and get away with it is to claim that it's for the public good, because the public good is this wonderfully nebulous thing that you can't argue against unless you're willing to say it's an invalid anti-concept. Uh, but people, you know, most most of you are duped into the idea that the public good is a thing, yeah. and the only way to argue, the only way to not submit to the thing is to to realize and argue that actually there's no such thing as the public good. There's no such thing as the public. It's not an entity. It doesn't make decisions on its own. It's not a single, it's not an entity. The public doesn't have an interest. 
There is no interest of the public. There are interests of individuals in the public and they that are part of the public and they add up to some things in some ways. And sometimes 51% of them want something, sometimes 99% of them want something, but there is no the public. It's not a monolithic creature. Yeah. All right. Um, let's do another super chat. Sorry. Uh, I missed one. In my neighborhood, this libertarian Sasquatch. In my neighborhood, <laughs> lots of people, including myself, all have Let's Go Brandon lawn signs. That's cool. Where are you? Because in my neighborhood, if you would like to have your house burned down, that would be a good method. Carter, um, my our waiter last weekend, my birthday weekend, we were traveling, my, my husband and mother-in-law, and uh, our waiter had a Let's Go Brandon. We were in... Marble Falls, <laughs> Texas, had a red hat. So at first it looked like a MAGA hat. And then, but the writing said, let's go, Brandon. It's hilarious. I, it, here's the, yeah, here's the thing I like about, I, someone on, on Twitter pointed out that, and I, I, I agree with this. They said, you know, this is all the defense that men can mount right now is this sort of funny, make you know, they're basically saying we're going to lose the culture war because they are indoctrinating our kids and masking our kids and and right. teaching them racism. And all we're doing are funny slogans on hats. And, and I kind of agree with that. But at the same time, it's also true that there's a role for humor. And I think that 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 slogan becoming so ubiquitous and it it it. it it's funny and humor can go a long way to changing people's changing minds of people, you know, changing people's perception. So I like that. It's, yeah. And I'm not a big fan of, of arguing with people about tactics either. Um, Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of people with a knee jerk reaction. That's like, if you don't want to do this particular thing, you're not fighting it the right way. And it's it's like, well, I, you know, cause you know, some people are like, well, that was the argument people used against, and maybe still do when I would started talking about secession, you're giving up. It's like, it's not giving up. Like th- there's a difference between being a hot headed idiot and jumping into the fight, screaming with both fists when you're surrounded mm-hmm. and realizing shit, I'm in a war. Let's go strategize to see how we can kick ass in the war and fight when we need to regroup when we need to strategize when we need to use whatever weapons we need to like, war your your primary means of survival is never your fists or guns it's always your brain so fighting the war requires thinking about the best way to fight the war and that's a conversation that's worth having and debating and just because someone disagrees with you and says well i don't think there should be secession i or i do think there should be secession or we should do it this way those are conversations that need to be had but when you dismiss each other out of hand because like well you're not the one doing it you know you ought to do it the manly way and just it's like well Maybe the manly way is suicidal and ineffectual, and the actual manly way is to use your manly brain and strategize a little bit as if you were actually fighting a real war instead of just throwing people around to the slaughter. Right. Um, so, I, you know, I there's – I get frustrated at that because because I, I don't know the right answer to fight this, which is why it's hard to say – What's the value of wearing Let's Go Brandon hat? Well, there is some value. Like it clearly signals to other people that they're not alone, which does matter from a recruiting perspective. Like you do want to let people know you're not alone. You're not alone. There are more people who don't like this crap. That's an important recruiting thing to do. 
right? So that's important. Um, is it, will that alone solve our problems? Of course not. Of course not. But neither will logistics alone solve an army's problems, but you still need logistics. Like it doesn't, there's no, you know, it's not like, well, medics aren't going to win the war. True, but you need medics, right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a complex thing. This isn't just do it my way. So if you're particularly good at something, if you're a a meme shitlord and you're really good at it, maybe that's the best way that you can contribute, right? Um, I don't know. So <sighs> I like the super chat that just came in from uh, G man. I want to read this one. Yeah. He yeah. says, my siblings say that people should get the jab for the public good, but recognizing individual liberties is for the public good. <laughs> and the consequences for not doing so are far more detrimental and long lasting. Yes. Yes. And that's, I think sometimes we should use their I mean own, their own attempted arguments against them. Well, they say, for example, that not doing X, Y, Z is selfish. And I like one time you said, Carter, no, authoritarianism is selfish. It is the ultimate in selfishness. Right. So don't come at me pushing authoritarianism and try to talk to me about selfishness because there's nothing you're coming from an authoritarian ideology, which is a selfish ideology and trying to talk to me about what you are, what you are. Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with that, and I've I've used it also said like, well, I'm more for I basically I phrase it like, I'm I'm more concerned about authoritarianism than I am about than I am about this particular virus, right? Yeah. Like that's that's but um, I mean, ultimately it breaks down because <laughs> like uh, authoritarianism is in the public good, always has been. And what was the I think Mao Zedong said something about this like socialism doesn't work without dictatorship, <laughs> like. Ultimately, you're, if you're going to have the public good as your standard, you will end up with authoritarianism. So um, while I do think that's a fine short-term tactic, I think it's important to be stepping away from the public good as the standard of measure uh, because that's not what makes the world we want to live in, and most of us here. Like, it's not, we're not looking for the optimal public good. We're looking for freedom for individuals. Like individual liberty is what we want. Does that happen to lead to a more successful society and generally more prosperous for everyone? Yes, but not everyone. There are people like ALC would do worse in freedom. She would have a worse life in the free market. That's just the way it is. Like there are some people who will do worse off under a free market. Those are people like Bernie Sanders and those are people like AOC. They will not do as well because spouting shit and getting voted for like doesn't get you anything. You have to actually do something. So unless Bernie learned to, to attend a bar, like I, I guess he would be even less successful than AOC. So it doesn't work better for everyone in that sense, but it is just, which is what matters. I don't know about that. Because I think people what? who, oh, well, people spouting BS and like those kind of predators, they're always going to make a good living. They're always going to get no. even in a free market. You don't think so? Because they're giving people no. some, what some people want, they're giving it to them. Look, the masses want these people. Well, obviously culture underlies everything. We, we put that aside for a moment because that's, that, that's a given. We've already talked about that and we do. But the, when you have, when you reward someone who, who, um, 
is predatorily manipulative like that with power, you you breed more of that. Like AOC wasn't famous until she got the gun of government. Like that's what made her, that's what gave her her influence. She was just some bartender in New York. So her skill set didn't change. Her abilities didn't change. There's just no right, like but- it's it's and when people see that more AOCs come out of the woodwork and they're like, well, I'm going to learn those skills. I'm going to try and do that. Like, I want to be that. So uh, yes, there's some of those people will continue to do well. They might switch industries and do something else, but there's a particular type of person who thrives well in, in backstabbing corruption, uh, no principles, lying and manipulation. And those people don't do well. Generally, uh, some of them might be able to adapt, but they don't do as well in a world where those things aren't rewarded. So. Right. But do you think those things wouldn't be rewarded in a free market? Those things are, I think those things are just. They are not rewarded in a free market usually. And unless the, unless the populace is so horrible. I mean, that's, that's what you're getting at is like, well, human nature, if the culture's so bad, then it metastasizes people like when I use that word, if the culture is so bad, I will say it manifests itself in politics just as much as it manifests itself in the free market. The, the, the issue I, the difference I'll make is, in the free market, it's actually much harder to succeed than it is in politics. You don't need um, in politics. You need to figure out how to how to grease the right palms and get the money to run your campaign and play your right backstabbing games with people and you know get the unions on your side or whatever it is you're trying to do. It's it's a different kind of a chess game than producing a product that people want to buy. Like that's not the same thing, and. Yeah, maybe maybe you could you could do that a little bit, but it's it's actually much it's much much harder in the free market to do that. You you have to like Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, can you imagine him being AOC? He could not succeed in politics. Now, granted, he's got problems and he's got power and blah blah. blah. There's things we don't like about him, but he couldn't succeed in politics. Likewise, AOC couldn't run Facebook. They just really they're not the same. Absolutely. I don't know because AOC. Like... Oh my God! No way! <laughs> no, I mean, if you've ever have you like ever, I mean, I know there's some tech people, and if you've ever tried to start a company and run it, like you have to have mad respect for many things about Zuckerberg, even though you don't like a lot. Of, I don't like a lot about him, but it's not easy to do that. It's not easy. It's not even easy to but get. Most of these companies have have given up on making i would say their bottom line and selling their product they've given up on making that the number one priority and they've made pushing aoc's ideology or pushing the same ideology yeah but how do you get to that point like right face i mean yeah sure you can afford to do that after your tens of billions of dollars or hundreds of billions of dollars worth of value can you get to there like zuckerberg got from i mean i don't think he started at exactly zero because he was going to harvard so assume he had some help, but whatever, like he went from very small to enormous. That's the hard part. Like, yeah, now he can use it for evil. Sure. Um, and AOC, you know, the worst thing he does is pay taxes, <laughs> right? Of all the bad things that Facebook does, the worst thing they do is fund the federal government. Um, so when I have to take a quick break, I'll okay. be very fast. When I come back, there's an article I sent you over the weekend that's somewhat related to this. It's about a CEO and maybe we could look at that article. Uh, Oh, I think I tweeted about, you know what I'm talking uh, about? Yeah. Okay. I'll be back in just a second. Yeah. 
I found it. Yeah, okay. That's fine. I'm going to find it while she's going to do her thing. Um, and maybe I'll read a super chat too while she's doing it. Libertarian Sasquatch says, I like to ask, have you got the flu shot? You anti-science? You trying to kill my grandma? Right. Right. People say, oh, Zuck has always been an FBI operative, blah, blah, blah. Look, I, I, I get it. I get the hatred, but... It's not easy to do what he did. Like you, like it's not easy. It's not just like, well, he has. He's not an FBI. He's not always been an FBI operative. That's kind of a ridiculous thing to say. Uh, the FBI is not competent enough to build Facebook. Like the the idea that the government could get away with doing anything competent like that is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. So to do what he did is hard. He is very smart. He also doesn't have principles he doesn't have the right principles he doesn't have an understanding of the right principles and so he's doing what the culture around him expects of him and in kind of a crappy way like you know he's not some government and government plant right he's not a government plant smart is not wise good point lutra lutra 23 says smart is not wise um all right, let's pull this up. So this article, uh, actually, maybe I'll give it to Beverly so she can pull it up so Carrie and I can both be on screen at the same time. Here, Beverly, I just gave you the article. It's from L. of all places. I didn't know that magazine still existed, but uh, yeah. All right. Pull it up, Beverly. We'll get to it. By the way, also, did you guys see? Speaking of, since we're talking about, uh, since we're talking about back stuff, did you see the Project Veritas tried to interview the director of worldwide uh, research, Vanessa Gelman from Pfizer? Uh, she's the one that had the. She's the one that got caught with the emails that was like, "We don't talk about these bad." Oh uh, yeah. Side effects, or whatever. They tried to interview, and she like she literally broke out into a run. She literally wow. ran. Yeah. She ran away. Um, so here's the article that Carrie was was putting up. Yeah, let's. Can I read some of this? Uh, then, yeah, I mean, look, I just honestly, I just read the first little bit, and I was like, yeah, he's kind of doing what I said. I was, I jokingly said I was going to do this two years ago when they passed this law. So, wait, what do you mean? He's not joking. Well, California passed this law about women in boardrooms. So I think well, I said when they passed the law a couple years ago. Oh. Someone will just transition and become a woman in the boardroom. And uh, I think that's the motivation. Be I, but I didn't read the whole What's story. What's the law about women in boardrooms? I forget. Oh, if you're a publicly traded company based in California, you have to have a certain percentage of women in boardrooms. And they passed that law a couple of years ago. And I think I, I jokingly said, I'll just identify as a woman. Now I, I can be on your board. I think this person probably either was worried about getting kicked off or whatever, but recognized at least that being a a quote woman in the boardroom would protect quote her uh because they need women in the boardroom but anyway okay. let's go let's read the article okay let's read it so this is an l it's called corporate transition and it's got a lot of photos if you're just listening it's a lot of photos of this person littered throughout it's all me 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 look at my photos there's a lot it's not just one so anyway when presenting as a man 
This tech bro entrepreneur was the toast of Silicon Valley until she stepped into a boardroom into boardrooms as a woman. Oh, now they don't like her anymore. <laughs> yeah, supposedly. I didn't actually read this. I just I just saw like I saw the beginning and I was like, that's hilarious that someone did that, right? Because <laughs> someone was like, oh yeah, now I'm a chick on the boardroom. Like, oh yeah, I expected someone to do that. Good. There we go. I guess people I, don't like it. Let's see. I have a feeling they, they, you're going to have some reactions to this. That's why I want to read it. And you haven't read it yet, right? No, no, I haven't. I, I literally okay. just saw the top and, and laughed at the the existence of this as a thing now. Also, look at the way there. So there's a picture of this trans woman, Natalie Egan. And it says, Natalie Egan photographed in New York City in July of 2021. Blouse by another tomorrow. Skirt by Alexander McQueen. Chain by Medallion. Bracelet by Fondero. It's like, it's just, I don't, face. Face by XY. <laughs> Body by XY. Okay, I'm going to read some, Carter, and you feel free to know. Back when entrepreneur Natalie J. Egan was a self-described bro, when sports metaphors rolled off her tongue and she tossed Frisbees over employees' desks, she walked into a board meeting of the tech company she founded now again this dude was a she man was a man at the time at the so time all this, but so it would be do, he at the time okay yeah they do retroactive retroactive right. pronoun changing she founded and brought along a scorecard not for her but for the board members quote i'm going to create a scorecard for all the people on the board tallying all the things you do quarter by quarter to help me in the company like who you're introducing me to Nate Lentz, managing partner of Osage Venture Partners, one of those board members and an investor in the company, recall, recalls Egan saying, which we hadn't really seen before. Am I remembering this correctly? Was there a promise of a trophy to the winner, adds David Drums of Osage, a, boarder, a board observer. Lentz bursts into laughter. I think there was. This was circa 2009 when she was, quote, an asshole and a jerk, Egan says. But that wasn't the only thing that was different about Egan back then. She had been assigned male at birth and raised as a boy. Married with three children, Egan took pride in her college frat bona fides and marsh, harsh management style. Quote, uh, or she was a tech bro, a successful one, raising $7 million in investments for the tech sales company she founded. Sure, it was the product of hard work, but it was nothing more than she, presenting as a straight white man, thought she deserved. Or so she thought. Like all the all the she's, by the way, they get really it's really yeah. it's it's hard to follow and it's hard to concentrate because again, you're talking about a man. But with all the she's, I just find it really anyway. Or so she thought. When Egan began transitioning at 38 and started a second business as a woman, she was in for a rude awakening. Despite her years of experience, once she transitioned, Egan says investors didn't take her seriously. Men talked over her and she struggled sometimes literally to find space at the table. Quote, I remember being in shock and thinking, oh, this is what women have been talking about the whole time, she says. It's not enough. To, it's. I'm sorry. Is it not enough to demand that we call you a woman? Now you also get to be their representative for what it's like to be a woman. We have to ask you. You get to be the spokesperson. I mean, come on, narcissist. Yes. Oh, I get I it now. Ladies, no. I'm yeah, on your I'm side, to... ladies. I know what it's like. 
I'm here to talk about the female experience. Okay. Decades of research. Probably a lesbian, by the way. Probably a lesbian. (laughs) Decades of research has established the reality that men and women are treated differently at work. And most women can cite examples of how they've been underestimated, passed over, or underpaid. Egan is likely one of the few people who've run companies presenting as both a man and a woman. Trans identities, of course, include a wide range of gender identities and expressions, including people who identify as gender nonconforming or non-binary, people who go through medical and social transitions, and much more. Thank you, Elle, for the lesson. <laughs> there aren't We can't solid... not have this parenthetical lesson. <laughs> on there trans aren't ideas. solid okay, numbers on how many transgender entrepreneurs there are in the U.S. Listen to this, this by the way. Listen to Four. these figures. According to a 2016 <laughs> study by the National LGBT Chamber of Commerce, over 900 small businesses qualified as being majority LGBTQ owned of some 28 million small businesses overall. Of those 900, only 2% were trans-owned. While that likely far underestimates the number of trans business owners, Egan's experience is rare. Presenting as a man, quote, I had so much privilege that I didn't realize. When I thought I was getting knocked down, I wasn't really getting knocked down, relatively speaking, says Egan44. It's nothing like what other folks in the world experience who don't have the amount of privilege that I had as a white, very masculine presenting person. Can I just pause here for a second? There is nothing easier than being a minority in the Valley, founding a company, asking for funds. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it out loud. Like the hardest thing to be in Silicon Valley looking for funds is a straight white male. And that's been true for a while because no one has a quota for straight white males. No one is actively looking for straight white males to fund. No one. They don't want you. What they want is a, you know, a black midget trans lesbian. Like that's what they want. They want the most, maybe Muslim, throw that in. They want the most marginalized person they can find so they can stick it on their portfolio, on their website and preen around Silicon Valley virtue signaling. That's what they want. It is trivially easy to get a, a, a meeting with venture capitalists or investors as a woman compared to being a straight white man in Silicon Valley. And I don't give a crap if people are going to say that's like not true or whatever. You are absolutely wrong. That's the way it is. I so can I, I'm going to say something too. What, I used to work in entertainment and as, as some people who watch our show know, and I think some of this did, it did used to be the case based on my experience is that there was sure, there was a degree. The boys club, it was easier to do things if you were a straight white bro in Hollywood. Absolutely. But with the woke ideology becoming mainstream, that's no longer true. And I'm not saying one situation is better than the other. I think they're equally awful because they're both they're both mm-hmm. giving you merit based on your uh immutable identity characteristics. But now if you talk to people in entertainment, it's what Carter just said. Nobody wants straight white men. So if you're in the writer's room, you're going to be passed over. If you're if you're the writer's assistant, we heard examples from my friend Jared of, of people being passed over three, four times, and they're promoting someone from outside the writer's room over you and being told explicitly it's because you're a straight white man and we can't have you on the right in the, the percentage of writers uh, on this show right now. We need someone who's black or a woman or trans, et cetera. So, well, I, I, I will. I just want to say this about Silicon Valley: the 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 way it had always been 
is I actually think it, it straight white male was a part of it, but it was the driving factor was always, did you go to one of the schools on the list? Like, do are you part of the Stanford bro culture? Are you part of the, like Stanford, MIT? There's like a, there was a few schools where if you went there and you were part of that bro community, that was your in, like, that was it. It was, I'm sure it was harder. I'm sure it was easier also if you were just a straight white male generally, like I'm, I'm sure that was also true, but that hasn't been true. I mean, I left, I left venture whenever, right before we started on like six months before then or whatever. And, uh, it was already not true by then. And that was, I don't know how long we'll be doing this two, three years. It was already, it was already not true. It was before Trump was elected. So it was longer. It was, it was already not true. You're not, you're muted, Carrie. Uh, sorry, just let, let me pull up the article again. I accidentally closed yeah. it as I was um, reading I was it. Like, Why'd you take it? So, away? <laughs> so then we are in the piece, Beverly, if we're going to pull it back up. So then you see we're we're presented with another photo of Natalie okay. post-transition. Um, there's all these glamour shots in here. And so this one, the dress is by a Cree. The earrings are by Roberto K. Coyne. The bracelets by Fondre and the pumps are by Christian I can't say that word. I'm not a. I'm not one of those girls who knows fashion. I don't know that. I know that's a popular um, designer, Lo something, but I don't know. Anyway, okay. Academic. The research. body is still by X Y. <laughs> the body okay. is. By oh, I just got that. <laughs> when you said it earlier, you just I, got thought, that. Oh. I thought you were talking about a real brand. No. <laughs> oh my. Okay. Academic research backs up Egan's take, showing that if people become trans women, they experience worse outcomes in the workplace. If they become trans men, they experience the opposite. Transphobia is, of course, a factor, and both trans men and trans women, along with people transitioning to other gender, other gender expressions and identities, like a cat or a fox, may face difficulties at work. Can you imagine that? I mean, you see, yo. <laughs> Identifiers. I don't know what that is. I'm just doing fucking wooden creature. I'm a dragon. I, I want to see the L article, Carter, that talks about how hard it is for people who've transitioned to being a large empty room. Yeah. Or a multicolored dragon. You I identify not... as a multicolored dragon, and no one in the boardroom took me seriously, and I am shocked. No one wanted to give me money. Okay. I'm a cat. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is for cat identified people? To get funding for our ideas. <laughs> Just because I'm a mer person. <laughs> you mean like, uh, what's, the, what's the, the, I forget her name for mermaid. You continue imagine her walking into the boardroom and be like, ah, <laughs> Look, okay, one of my gender identities no is a mer person. I know I have dissociative identity disorder. Do you know how hard it is for us to get investors because one of my personalities starts smoking during the presentation. <laughs> the other one's a mermaid. <laughs> it's hard for me to get investment because people aren't sure if I'm literally insane. <laughs> yeah, that's why they're not sure. You might just be really, really fucked up. That's the problem. What? What? 
the discrimination that I face. Okay. That Murr faces. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, let me get back to this because there's more of this. I think you're gonna have. Yeah. Some okay. Good now this is good. I I, okay. I do like the narcissistic, uh, yeah, attitude here. So let's. Okay. So transphobia is, of course, a factor in both trans men and trans women, along with people transitioning to other gender expressions and identities, may face difficulties at work during and after transitions. Yet, while trans women's pay falls by about one-third post-transition, trans men pay increases slightly, according to a 2008 study. I would like to read that study because I don't know if I believe you, but okay. Other studies have found trans women are also more likely than trans men to experience more difficult work situations, including harassment and resistance from their companies, while trans men's work evaluations improve post-transition. And overall, they perceive that they received better treatment and more respect. People who've trans, so do you, do you guys hear what they're saying here? They're saying that if you're a trans person, you're going to face discrimination for being trans, but that if you're a trans man, you're going to get some privileges that come with male privilege. And if you're a trans woman, you're going to be doubly discriminated against because you're not just trans, but you're a woman and now you're facing sexism, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, okay. People who've transitioned from women to men, quote, may experience male privilege as a result of their transition in a labor market that appears not to be gender neutral, according to Texas researchers, Michelle. And according Dietert. to researchers who are funded for trying to prove that it's not <laughs> uh, These <laughs> job two depends PhDs. on it not being gender neutral. <laughs> right. One thing I keep, quote, one thing I keep saying to women is that their perceptions of career and fundraising inequities aren't just perceptions. Everything you think is real is actually real, says Joseph mm. Schneider. Sh Schneider. Except for, wait, when Google did a survey and tried to level their salaries, assuming that that was true, that true. everything was, it turns out they had to increase the salaries of men because women were being overpaid, which they don't talk about. But and uh, except it turns for out when, it wasn't true. It wasn't true. It, that's also the case. Remember when Glamour brought on they did a video on youtube yes. you can still watch it they brought on a, a white man and a black woman and had them talk about the gender wage gap and they spent the whole time talking about how um not only is there a wage gap between men and women but there's an even greater wage gap if you happen to be a black woman and then they revealed their salaries and the black woman made a lot more than him <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> about it as if as if they they didn't just show. well it's just an anecdote it's not representative yeah. of what the phds here say about yeah yeah so <clears throat> okay uh this so this is a quote from joseph schneider 43 a healthcare and educational technology entrepreneur who started several companies presenting as a woman and several more as a trans man That's okay as now. as egan planned her career, yes but how many have you started as a woman <laughs> Does your resume have both? Because I'd like to see. Sorry, I just. No, that I, I person. I just think it's funny. No, no, no. no I, I, I just think it's. Oh, right. I'm imagining a world where, like, you go to a venture capitalist, and it's like, I have a history. I've started eight companies: three as a woman, five as a man. Mm. <laughs> you have. You didn't start any as a snowflake or a uh, large empty room or multicolored dragon, because I'd really like to see some diversity here. As a cat. My business yeah, where your cat company? Around. You didn't start any as a cat? I don't know. 
As Egan planned her career, she modeled herself after her father, an intense corporate executive, and her two older brothers, whom she perceived as stereotypically masculine. After her time as a frat boy in college, she graduated and embarked on a path that she credited to her ambition and work ethic. Now she sees things in a more nuanced way. Quote, my whole life, if I wanted something, I would pursue it and get it with few exceptions. I was considered really resilient and tenacious, she says. Then again, Egan was white, presented as male, and had attended a prestigious prep school in an Ivy League college where she developed an influential network of well-placed men. Quote, I took full advantage of it, she says. I just didn't realize. In 2009, after jobs in hospitality and tech, Egan started her own business, People Links, which helped con companies use LinkedIn data to sell effectively. Tech startups were, quote, this culture that was rewarding toxic masculinity, Egan says. And she ran it the way she'd seen other men run companies. She made decisions with little input based on the idea that representation and diverse perspectives slow things down, she says. I was like, go, go, go. We don't have time for your opinion. If someone was late to a meeting, she publicly embarrassed them. It was like chest bumps and kegs, Egan says. Even as the company grew, we were having arm wrestling competitions. Okay, now can we get I, another... Glamour shot of her. Yeah. Oh, I just want to pause on this for a second. There's this characterization of Silicon Valley culture like that. Um, and I think it is true for a subset of Silicon Valley culture, predominantly venture backed, uh, like venture backed early stage startups can sometimes you, you can have that, but that's not like that typically can't like that doesn't work. And like, like none of the successful companies don't have those cultures. Like those are the cultures that get splashed across because those are the ones that are like massive failures. They 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 act like douchebags and they they've failed typically. Like go read go read the Netflix book No Rules Rules if you want to see how a company builds successfully and runs. It's nothing nothing like that. It's nothing like that. Um, but there's I think that they they want to characterize. Uh, successful companies as similar to these kind of douche, this douchebaggery that does happen, but is not what, what breeds success generally. But all right, there she is with okay. the microphone. She. Yeah. Okay. By the way, that picture of her, guess where this is speaking to an audience at a women's networking event. I like that. She gets selected as the, of course. Well, the of woman course. speaker at a woman's event is her. I've been a woman for a year. I would like to address my By the way, she women. did she, <laughs> she also did talk about uh you know how it was it was so easy as a guy and blah blah blah. I just did we forget about Elizabeth Holmes? Did we forget about Theranos? Is that not a thing? Like it's it's not about being a woman. <laughs> it's not about being a guy. Okay. Okay. Let's keep going. <clears throat> Her executive coach, then and now, Russ Rosa, describes it this way. Quote, there was a type of bullying masculinity that Natalie had that didn't make her very popular. But popularity didn't matter. Winning did. The company grew to 50 employees, high-profile clients signed on, venture capital firms speculated that this could be a billion-dollar business. But then LinkedIn changed how it allowed other companies to access its data, endangering people links as core business. Egan appointed a friend as CEO so she could focus oh, so on sales. Die. 
but the company was circling the drain. In 2015, okay, get this. In 2015, the new CEO fired Egan and she had no idea how to handle it. Quote, it was the first time I wasn't getting what I wanted, she says. Her personal life was also fracturing. She had married at 23, had three children and lived in a horsey Philadelphia suburb, but nothing seemed right anymore. In fact, nothing had ever seemed quite right when she thought about it. And now they start going into building this past to, to reimagine her past, right. right? So at five, when Egan crept into her mom's closet and tried on a silk slip and her mom found out, quote, my heart almost stopped. She says, I remember promising that I would never, ever, do, ever do anything like that again because I was a boy, she says. And although she loves sports and building Lego models, secretly I wanted to be playing house, Egan says. But I never allowed myself to do that. In private, as a teenager, she might try on women's clothes, then rip them off, feeling disgusted. When Egan married, she told her wife she experimented with wearing women's clothing like underwear or swimsuits, but just a little bit, she says. The couple didn't address it much and Egan kept the practice quiet even as she started doing it more, bringing women's clothes on business trips to wear in hotel rooms. In her mind, she was a heterosexual cross-dresser, she says. By the time she was fired from PeopleLinks, the couple's marriage was in trouble. They ended up splitting about six months later. Egan thought there was a clear reason so much had gone wrong. I have a cross-dressing problem. It's destroying my life. It ruined my marriage, she remembers thinking. When she saw a Facebook post from a college friend who had transitioned, Egan set up a meeting with her in New York in fall of 2015. Egan explained the issue and said, I'm wondering if you know how to quit cross-dressing. So wait, your friend transitioned and you brought them over to ask them how to quit cross-dressing? I don't think this is true. You brought them over to talk about transitioning. Don't give me that. How do I quit cross-dressing? Anyway, uh, instead- I invited my pot dealer over to ask him how to quit how to pot. How quit pot, right? <laughs> Liar. And, and then I ended up a pothead. I don't know what? how it happened. Right. Instead, <laughs> surprise, surprise, the friend came to her hotel room and helped her with her Scroll makeup. Scroll down, Beverly. And gave her the confidence to go out in public in women's clothes for the first time. Egan, <laughs> terrified- forced herself through the hotel lobby and outside into a park. She remembers a gentle wind ruffling her skirt and her hair. It was the most euphoric moment that I think I've had in my entire life. All of a sudden, everything I wanted and needed was, and was always seeking seemed to come to this standstill and calmness, she says. Her friend linked arms with her, and Egan looked around the park and saw a pair of other women linking arms, and it hit her. This is what I've been missing. I'm a woman. I should have been a woman. I'm trans. All of my, all of a sudden, my entire life, which never made any sense to me, made total sense. Egan said, but the next morning, hungover. I like that little bit tidbit. Can I just <laughs> say that? Can I just say that? Because they just. So she tried was to, plastered when she was walking around. Yes. So they just tried to give us this Disney cartoon version of this. Oh, like I've become a woman now, and 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 actually, here's what I was thinking. He probably got shit faced and got dressed up and uh went like anyway the next look this is what happened but the next morning hung over egan panicked at what identifying as a trans woman at age 38 meant quote my immediate reaction it means getting articles in l written about it you. does it does my immediate reaction the only thing i can do the only answer is to kill myself she says egan had a shotgun back in pennsylvania and she planned to drive home fast and do it quickly still drunk wait i thought Driving. she was hung over I thought she was hungover, but she's still drunk. Still drunk. She stumbled to a bodega. This is after 
your most euphoric moment of your life, you're still drunk the next morning. Maybe something's wrong. Okay, still drunk. She stumbled to a bodega and to driving buy around. Water. I just want to point that out. No, no, she's driving she, around drunk. No, she walked. Still drunk. Uh, she stumbled. She plans to, to a, drive home fast to do it. Oh, I see. Okay. She okay. planned to, but here's what happened. Still okay. drunk. She stumbled to a bodega to buy water. Her eyes rimmed with last night's makeup before she got in the car. There at the bodega, standing in line in front of her, was a college bro friend. He said Egan looked like hell and steered her to a bench outside. What's going on? He asked. I, <laughs> I think she was like, I got shit faced last night and dressed as a woman and my marriage is over and also got fired. <laughs> What's going on? He asked. And she, figuring things couldn't get worse, told him I'm trans. He looked her straight in the eye, she remembers, and he's like, you got to be you. That simple reaction from her friend gave her a way forward. If he could understand it, maybe her father, her brothers, and her soon-to-be ex-wife, and her kids could too. And maybe if all of them could handle it, she could as well. The I, that, There's something about this story that that whole section of it right there just bothers me. The way it's told, it just yeah. is deceptive. In my opinion, it's deceptive. It's like a reimagining of something and trying to present it as this awakening and this empowering positive story. And I don't think that's really what happened that day. That's just me. I don't like, but I don't yeah, like I also, I, 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 if you suddenly found a part of yourself and at what well, this guy was 38, if you're suddenly are like, Oh, my life hasn't made, I mean, that's a big statement. My life hasn't made sense up until now, but now it makes sense. Like this is a, everything fell into place it clicked like this is who i am right if you really have an experience like that you don't then i don't think that leads to being suicidal and saying i can only do this if literally every other person including the bros in my life accept it like you would come out of that going no you know what it doesn't matter this is who i am and i just have to be who i am because that will make me happier like that's not this doesn't seem like a, it seems like, it seems like she's trying it on. And if it's, if acceptance looks like it's going to be easy, then maybe it's worth doing. I, I don't, there's something I don't like about it either for that reason. Yeah. But, okay. Well, a couple people in chat agree. Kat says it sounds like fan fiction, which yes, it does to me. Well, a there's bit. a word I want to introduce here. And that word is gynophilia. Yeah. Autogynophilia. I think you should look it up. Yeah. Uh, people in chat, like look up autogonophilia. Um, yeah. It is, that's what's going on psychologically here, but okay. Okay. So now we get to the part of, I know this is long, but bear with me. I think the whole thing's interesting. Um, the first time it hit Egan, how differently she might be treated in her new presentation. She was at a car dealership, the same dealership where she had pr previously purchased two vehicles. It was fall 2015 and Egan planning on getting a new SUV expected the usual skilled upselling that she'd gotten. And as a salesperson admired in the past, she had just started transitioning and told the salesman that her name was now Natalie and her pronouns were she and her. The man did not look her in the eye, did not shake her hand. They were acting like I didn't know anything. And this is my third car I'd bought from them, Egan says. They were explaining things from a man's perspective as if I couldn't understand them. And I started to see everything differently. These transactions had never gone like this. I had never experienced this kind of disrespect in these situations. 
Egan assumed she was getting these reactions because, quote, everybody hates me because I'm trans, as she puts it. Then she mentioned to a friend that she now was afraid to walk by construction workers because they might catcall her or make fun of her. The friend said, that's mm -hmm. not because you're trans. That's because you're different. They would do that to anybody who's walking by who's different from them. You're a target if you're overweight, if you've got a disability, if you're an ugly woman, if you're a good looking woman, if you're a queer man. Egan recalls with that in a moment, Egan viewed the world in a different way. It wasn't just because she was trans. It was because having left the identity of a successful white man behind, she was experiencing marginalization and vulnerability and quote, anyone who wasn't inside the center of power was experiencing this to a different degree, she says. So the point of this is not to lift up even trans women, but to make sure that we're solidly saying only white men can't get it. White yes. men suck. Everyone else is yes, uh, their victim. White men are them. the oppressor. Straight women are the oppressor. Mm -hmm. And the right. they're the only people who have, they're in the center of power, right? That's what this is telling us. Um, by, by the way, then, someone in chat writes, this is the worst letter to penthouse. <laughs> yes. It's got that feel, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, I can't find it. You. I don't know who said it, but I remember reading it. I don't know where it went, but yeah. Okay, now this part, Carter, I really want to hear your take on. Okay, that mm -hmm. this gave Egan the idea for Translator, her current company, technology to help us understand each other, she says. She began by consulting with clients, offering advice on respecting and retaining transgender employees and quizzing them on what they'd want from a tech product. When one client said its employees are not ready for an app to teach them about other people, we need an app that will teach our employees about themselves. Egan says, I was like, boom. Translator works with diversity, equity, and inclusion and human resource departments at companies like Claire's and Viacom CBS. In most of its offerings, a live facilitator takes employees through digital anonymous exercises and discussions on topics like privilege. Privilege. Afterward, employees discuss the their way, answers. Here's your white male privilege. Your white male privilege is that woke is getting to be a big thing. You too can get a piece of the woke action. Just identify, stick a dress on, identify yes. as a woman, claim that you're now oppressed, and yes. you will get funding, and Viacom CBS will be your client. Claire's and Viacom, yeah. <laughs> So afterwards, employees discuss their answers and their feelings about them, with the idea being that this will lead to stronger connections and empathy. Translator then analyzes employees' aggregate anonymized answers, and the DEI or HR department gets back. That's, that's the, depart the uh, diversity, equity, inclusion department gets back feedback on who its employees are, are identity-wise and how they're feeling. The company might add ride-sharing benefits after dark, for example, if it learns that staffers are uncomfortable walking alone at night. That, anyway, is what Translator is now. In the spring of 2016, when Egan launched the company, she needed investors to get she needed investors to get it to that level. Egan had heard second-time entrepreneurs get backing more easily than novices. "Quote: You could say you lost all your money at People Links. Why would you back a CEO again?" says Lenz of Osage. But PeopleLinks' initial growth had been so strong and Egan so capable that Lentz believed next time there was a real potential for her to build a winner. Egan set up around 20 meetings with investors, many of whom had backed PeopleLinks. 
She outlined what she saw coming, a seismic shift in which companies would need to understand and would pay for help with diversity and inclusion. But the investors didn't listen. They would take the meetings because it would look really bad if they didn't. But they had absolutely zero uh -huh. intention of investing or really even listening, she says. I was just it was I was just so confusing to them. They couldn't get over what they were seeing. She wasn't sure whether it was because she was trans or because she looked like a woman, but she knew Those it felt awful. Things. You know what? Maybe it's because your idea sucks. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I just want like look. I, I just I, do you want do you want to read the rest before I comment on this? Or um, no, I, no, I want to hear your comment on this now because she's basically saying they didn't want to fund me because yeah, so I'm trans. Did, look, I've I've been on the both sides of the VC table. Look, uh, usually the answer is no. Almost always the answer is no. That's normal. The answer is normally no. It's not like that's just so many times. And, and by the way, they usually lie to you about the reason. Um, VCs almost always lie to you about the reason. Um, and usually the reason is you. And it's and if they've worked with you in the past, it's because they don't want to work with you again. <laughs> like that's the reason. It's not because you look like a woman or because you smell like a woman or because you look a certain way. It's a lot of early stage investment is very personal. And it's very, um, it's built on relationships. And often they're very afraid. If they say no, they're very afraid to say, I don't like you as a founder. I don't think you'd be a good founder. Like no one wants to say that uh, because they're worried that what if you are successful, you'll hold the grudge and blah, blah, blah. So they always say some kind of bullshit. So you don't actually ever know the reason. But it is usually a personal reason. That's true. It is a personal reason, but it, it's not. It has nothing to do with trans or woman stuff. It has to do with, do I think this person would be a good founder? And if you just lost a bunch of their money, they're going to take a meeting because they're going to be friendly with you, right? But they might be like, I don't know. Like, it didn't really work out. He did end up getting fired. Like, we're not – this is this isn't in this – maybe it's the space they don't understand or that whatever. Like, there's a bazillion reasons to say no – it's very hard to get a yes. It's very hard. So like, you're not the only entrepreneur who the second time around goes out and doesn't get yeses very easily. That's not a, you can't lament that and you can't blame your fucking transition about that. That's just Are life. Gender? That's the way it's, it is. It has nothing to do with it. So I, I won't, I, I've already read so much. Unless there's, unless an investor was like, if you were still a bro, I would invent like, right. I guess if you get some evidence. So thank you guys for your patience. I know I've read a lot of this. I'm not going to read much more. I just want to say in she she ends this article by saying that she knew it was, it says uh, Egan realized it wasn't the okay. idea. It was her. Well, first wait, of wait, all. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Did that next paragraph just say that two investors said yes? Yes. Only two. Two. Two of the. That's a great hit rate. Two of your investors that you just lost money gave you money. That's gave good. Money. That's success. Exactly. Oh and then look, here's what happened. So first of all, she says, I faced all this discrimination. It wasn't my idea, but offers no evidence of that. It wasn't my idea. It was because I was a woman and trans and two of my previous investors ended up investing. And I'm now, I have all these big clients like Viacom and CBS and, and Claire's, but I'm marginalized. It's, it's all about how marginalized she is now because she's a woman. Now I'm marginalized and it's so much harder being me as a woman than it was as a man. But 
I have Viacom CBS as my client. What are you talking about? What is the point of this piece? Yeah, it's, it's, like- it's I, I, I want to <laughs> underscore that again. If you had a first round investor, you don't have like, you don't, people don't have hundreds of investors. She sounds like her company was pretty early. She probably had a cap table with 10 people on it. Maybe, maybe, maybe 12, like probably not many, depending on how many rounds she did. It sounds like she only did like one series A or something. Like she probably had a dozen investors. If two of them say yes, that's an awesome hit rate. Like, especially because you lost the money, like. That's a pretty good hit rate. That's pretty good. Yeah. I like I don't I don't know why that's failure. And like you said, now I've got Viacom CBS and I'm successful. It's like, all right, well. So there's one other thing that happens in this piece. If you guys have time to read it, I encourage you to read the whole thing. They end up interviewing this person they mentioned before who did the opposite transition, who was a mm-hmm. woman and transition to being a man who goes on to give their anecdotal experience and talk about how much easier it is as a man because now have male privilege. But the example that the guy gives is ridiculous. It says, it says, uh, you know, when he was a woman, he had delivered this pat speech he used to give this speech that he gave all the time, mm-hmm. you know, to non-committal applause. Once he became transitioned to a man, he gave the speech. And the first time he gave it, he, it said he got a standing ovation and people were coming up to me saying, quote, you're so brave. And then he says, because he's trans. Exactly. Not because you're a man. It's because you're <laughs> trans. Nobody says you're so brave to a straight man giving a speech, dude. What are you talking about? And he's like, this what are you is talking evidence. About, Gary? I get that all the time. He's like, this is evidence that male privilege exists because now that I'm a man, they love my speech and told me I was brave. Nobody says that to straight men. Hey, you're so no. brave, dude. That's not a straight man thing that people get at speeches. You're so brave. That's because you're trans. No straight man has ever been told that after a speech. Right. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. You know what that is? That's trans privilege. Yes, that's what that is. <laughs> yeah. God. Carter, have you ever given a speech and somebody came up and said, you're so brave? No, and I've given a lot of speeches and uh, some of them better received than others. But, you know, even the even the best ones. I loved it. Blah, blah, blah. No one ever says you're so brave. Mm -mm. You're so brave doing this. (laughs) Fuck fuck you, Greg the baritone, by the way. He just in chat says, Carter, I'd like to point out just how brave you are. (laughs) (laughs) that's so silly somebody told me that's so brave so obviously men this is what men are treated like it's like such such a privilege being a man they get told they're brave all the time it's happening to me now that i'm a man i mean i how (sighs) dumb okay i just Okay, thank you for bearing with this me. This is Carter. all just this is all just theater. Yeah. All right, this is all just theater. Uh and it's important to remember that these are psychological dysfunctional narcissists performing theater and a bunch of people in the mainstream media happy to set the stage and and embellish and write the costumes and produce the theater because the theater uh, fits the narrative that they're trying to push yes. in the world, that straight white men bad, all others good. Straight white men evil, oppressors, all others good. That's And it's everywhere. That's like And that the oppression is even places you didn't know. 
it's subtle and it's everywhere and you just don't realize it and you could not possibly realize it as a straight white male and it's just it's it's um pervasive and ultimately the goal is to convince you that it's literally impossible to remove without turning over the apple cart completely they need to rebuild society from the ground up because that's what they want to do they want to ultimately destroy everything we've built everything that's been built they want to destroy america they want to destroy the ideas behind america they want to destroy everything and rebuild it in their in the image of their idol and that's how this is why they do this because articles like this leave you with a feeling that it's everywhere it's unavoidable and there's never gonna you can never win against it it's this is an insurmountable impossible thing to weed out so when someone says we got to tear the system down they're going to point to this kind of crap yeah and i guarantee you here's just this is my guess this whole article about this trans woman, how hard it is to be CEO now and get investors and blah, blah, blah. And then we get to the end of the article and find out that's not true. I My guess is being a trans woman in this climate has benefited this person. Oh, 100%. You don't even have to guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, because being, being, being a trans anything in Silicon Valley gives you privilege right now. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and I'm sure if you go to downtown San Jose and some bad sections of Oakland or whatever, like maybe there's there's some communities that will beat the crap out of you. And like, yeah, there's there's probably some of that in the inner city. Um, there's there's some of the what we would traditionally call that kind of machismo that might there's probably still some of that even in the Bay Area, although probably not as much as other places in the world. Um, but in Silicon Valley, when you're when you're driving around Palo Alto, and you're on Sand Hill Road trying to get meetings and money. Uh, yeah. Being marginalized is probably your best bet. And by the way, getting money is hard. Getting the meetings is hard. Getting meetings is not easy. So if this person's like, well, they took the meetings, but they didn't want to invest. Like, they took the fucking meeting. Yeah. That's not easy. I mean, it depends. Easy. But it's not easy always to just walk in and get meetings. Yeah. The other thing, The other thing is that to go back to the penthouse version of the letter, All right, right. The, the, the fan fiction version of the letter or the story is, is if you get to claim victimhood in this new culture and this woke ideology, if you get to claim victimhood, then somehow you become this empowered hero of the story. But let's take that. Let's take a look at what the, it's like, okay, your company lost all the investors money and you got fired from your own company and it went into the ground. You let your marriage fall apart and you walked out on your wife and kids and went to a hotel and got shit faced and dressed as a woman and walked around, but you're coming out as trans. So it's all good because well, it was a part of your personal empowerment storyline. Like, and now you, you have your, a, yeah. yeah. And now you have what seems to be a much more successful company. You're getting articles written about you and L yeah. you're being invited to speak as a representative of, of a gender that you're not. And uh, yeah, you, things are, things seem to be going pretty well for you yeah. as you write this sob story about how horrible it is for you. Yeah. But it there, seems like they're going about, better. There's something about these people who are, especially the people who I'm going to sound like a judgmental conservative, Good. whatever, but I'll do it here. There's something about people who it's like, you can cheat on your spouse, leave your kids abandon your family, be a drunk and run your company to the ground and get fired. But if you're coming out as trans, baby, it's your party. It's your empowerment party. 
It's all about you. Treat yourself. Oh, you're so brave. It's so stunning. You left your family. Like, okay, but it's good because it's part of your selfish identity narrative. I don't know. I get I get annoyed by stuff like this pretty easily. <laughs> yep. Like, but Auto kind of feel you, by the way, is uh is a term for a male's propensity to be sexually aroused by the thought of himself as female. Um intending for the term the guy who coined to this, intending for the term to refer to the quote full gamut of erotically arousing cross gender behaviors and fantasies. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're having your fetish recognized as an identity and something that I'm not saying this is true for all trans people. I think there are people with legit gender dysphoria, a very small fraction of percentage of people. It's what we used to know who experience it from the age of like two, but that's not, that's not what's happening on a, on a large level in our culture. Now, now that trans has become pushed as something that is, uh, normalized that everybody has to grapple with and decide. Then you've got all these people who are autogynophiles who are just also jumping on that bandwagon because they get off on cross-dressing as women. And in the past, they would have been like this guy, secret cross-dresser and getting off. Cause it, he, it was a fetish for him. He, he would go to hotel rooms and probably get drunk and walk around in women's underwear. He said he did. And that yeah. was his, that was his fetish. But now his fetish has to be at, uh, at, you know, we have to, we have to look at his fetish and say, that's your marginalized brave identity and you you get to rub it in our faces and, and force us to use your preferred pronouns and claim to be just like the gender dysphoric person who's been dealing with this since they were two or, or four or whatever and i don't think you're the same beast at all in my opinion i think you're you're getting off on you're getting off on it like it's just like that euphoric day when you got drunk with your friend and walked around in, cl- in the women's clothes for the first time that story you told us that's what it's like for you every time you walk into a boardroom or you get selected as as the woman to speak at the women's conference and st- sit up there with your, you know, in, in your new outfit provided by all these uh, famous designers. And, and you're forcing us also to participate in your fetish. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't again, I want to ca- make a carve out for like legitimately trans people who live. Yeah, there. me too. Absolutely. Like, so I want to put that on the side for a second. But there is definitely this. Um, there was a there was an episode of Bones where they featured this at one point, and I'm random in my references today. But they featured these people who had pony fetishes, and they like would put a bit in their mouth and like dress around, and they would have a quote rider, and it was all obviously very sexualized, and like this was this is this was their thing. Someone wanted to be a rider, and someone wanted to be a pony, and that was their fetish, um, and. Uh, you know, it's it's one thing if you want to go do that in the privacy of your bedroom with your significant other, and that's your thing. Like, I'm not gonna argue about whether you should be allowed to do that or not. That's fine. Um, but when you, if you, if I go out to the store and you show up dressed like a pony, and you demand that I go and like treat you like a pony, like. You're demanding that I participate in your fetish. And yes. I don't want to participate. I'm yes. sure you can find people that want to participate in your fetish. And that's cool. You guys go do that. But I don't want to participate in your fetish. I That's non-consensual. I don't, I'm not part of your fetish. I don't want to be part of your fetish. And um, I that's how I look at a lot of this stuff, which is, look, 
I get that you like being like dressing up like a woman and feeling like, like I get it. And you're free to do that, I guess, but stop, stop demanding that I treat you as if this is reality. Yeah. Cause it's not, it's not reality. I'm, I don't want to be, be part of your fetish. To be clear, in case anyone's confused, I'm I'm similar to you, Carter. I, I see a big difference between trans people and because trans people now includes all these people that I would say have autogynephilia. And there's a difference between autogynephilia and gender dysphoria. There just is. It's not the same thing. Gender dysphoria, at least as far as I understand it, often, most often um, affected like less than 1% of people and it was mostly men and it mostly started when they were very young, like a toddler mm -hmm. the end. And it was such a rare thing. And now it's become so popular. It's a social contagion. Like when, when uh, anorexia was featured in Alan Beale and then suddenly everybody that became a social thing. Then the numbers of people who were anorexic exploded and the same thing yeah. with cutting. And now it's with trans, everyone's trans and, and in that group of people, you've got all different kinds of people that normally would not have presented as having gender dysphoria as a child. You've got late onset, what they're calling late onset gender dysphoria. These are these are the girls who are deciding in their preteen years that they're suddenly a boy. We didn't we never used to see much of that. You're seeing a lot of that now. And I think that's that social social contagion thing. It's like a catch all for girls who have identity issues anyway or some type of personality disorder issue or something. And it's coming out now. It's like, well, I guess I'm trans. You're seeing it with, there's a large number percentage of autistic people who are now saying, well, I'm trans. And then you're seeing it. There's another group, this, this autogonophilia group, these men who like cross-dressing and get off on it as a fetish. And th that I think is a very large percentage of it. Of it now these people who are transitioning at this guy's age at 38, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, That's just my, it's hard to, it's hard to take. tell. I mean, uh, so Elite Selly Toys says, you get it? How? I I don't relate to to it. I don't relate to the pony thing, right? Like, I don't relate to the fetish. But I get it in the sense that people have things that they fetishize, that they like, and I don't relate to them. But I get that people have those fetishes. And I don't know about... I'm actually probably much more hesitant to judge the health or not health of a lot of that stuff than than some of the people in our audience because or me I, I i don't know yeah i don't know right so i'm 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 okay with saying like look i don't really understand human psychology too much like i don't understand like i i, I if people want to have a particular fetish and it's and it's uh doesn't affect their life broadly and like like they have a thing and there's some reason why that gets them off and maybe it's related to childhood trauma or maybe it's related to who knows what, like, I don't know. Like I'm not, I don't feel the need to shame and ostracize. And like, if they're, if they're, if it's not affecting anyone, I do feel the need to say, Hey, like if you've got something like it, it would be good to go to therapy and figure out what's going on with it. And like, and dig into your past, like, sh sure. Like, I, I think that's important, but, what the right thing to do is, I don't know, right? Um, but there's a difference between saying like, I'm willing to like circumscribe that and leave it alone and let you do your thing and figure it out on your own. And I think you should 
you know, take whatever steps you can to work on your psychological health. And, you know, I'm sure there are therapists who will tell you that there are, you should continue doing your fetish for psychological. Like I've, I've heard arguments from therapists about this will help you work through blah, blah, blah. Right. So like, I, I don't know, but there's a difference between that and, and then taking it into the real world and forcing other people to be a part of it. Those are two vastly different things. Yes. And that's where I'm drawing the line. And, and even for, even for trans people, like I think very, I, I don't want to be an ass about it, but like, look, if you, if you're young even, and you have gender dysphoric feelings, I think the first question should be, is there a psychological thing that can be yes. worked out psychologically rather than go through all of the other stuff? And maybe yes. you get to a point that it actually can't. And you realize like, okay, you know what? We've done our best. We've tried to make you like you've, you've had your therapy. It's the conclusion is there really is something here that, that can't be solved any other way. And you will actually be much happier transitioning. Like, okay, that's fine. Um, but I do think you start with that. You start by turning the lens inward, getting professional help if you want. And then if someone is turning the lens inward and trying to genuinely better themselves, I'm not going to judge a lot of what happens outside of that. So long as they're not foisting it on other people. Does that yes. make sense? Yes. I, I would also, oh, it's the mailman, but I had something I wanted to say. Damn it. You can say it. Uh, Yeah, he's going to bark for a little bit. Okay, so the the point you're making about trying other things, that's what they used to do with treatment with with children. As I mentioned, it was mostly boys who would come into these uh, gender clinics or that come in to see psychologists and say that they thought they were born in the wrong body. And they would they had a high um, success rate for for people what was the word they used? Desisting. People deciding that they could be comfortable in the body they were born right. into. And I think we've forgotten that when we talk about, and not everybody will. I mean, we've interviewed Buck Angel's a great example of someone who did a lot of therapy before deciding to transition as an adult because nothing else worked. And it was sort of like, and has okay, been happy for decades and has been yeah. happy after transitioning. But, but I am of the opinion, and I think Buck from what our calls of the opinion that you should try everything else first because you might not have to go through surgery to your body if there's something else that's causing you to feel uncomfortable in the skin that you were born into. And we right. used to think of gender dysphoria as being something other than normal. Not that you should treat people awfully, not that any of those things that we attach to the, the word abnormal now, but it wasn't normal to feel that your body was somehow wrong. In the same way, remember we talked about uh, body dysmorphia. There's not just gender dysmorphia, but, but body dysmorphia. Body dysmorphia would be people who looked at themselves in the mirror and saw something different than what was presented. And so, for example, I have a female friend who, I mean, we would be standing side by side in the bathroom mirror and she would say something about how she wished that she was as skinny as me. But the reality is she's much skinnier than me. <laughs> and I couldn't understand that. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, this is reality is your body right. is skinnier than mine. And yet you, you, there's something wrong in your head where you're, you're not happy with your body and you want it to be different and you see it differently than it really is. You see reality different than it really is. And, and that's still, for me, that's still an analogy for, for gender dysmorphia as well. It's where they're like, 
that something's wrong with this outward body. I see it differently. I wish it were different. And I think both of those things, body dysmorphia and gender dys dysmorphia can be, can be treated and that you can find that there might be something else there causing you to feel that way that you don't. Now what we're doing is just jumping immediately to surgery and hormones and well, let's change your body then. Imagine if we did that for people who had uh, body dysmorphia. They were like, I like anorexics who are like, I I feel like I need to be skinnier. Great. Let's take off more of it. Let's do some surgery, right. weight loss surgery. Right. I know you only weigh 90 pounds, but let's get it down to 70. You know, <laughs> like, like that's just, we don't treat it the same way. No, so, we don't. And, and I, yeah, <clears throat> no, we don't. And, and I, I don't, again, I, I don't think we know enough about here's what we do know about human psychology. There's a percentage that's genetic, that's quite large. Um, and we know that childhood trauma can have serious impacts on how people relate to others and to themselves. So to, to that's why I'm, that's why I withhold judgment on what people are doing in the privacy of their own homes, provided that they're doing it, provided that, they are on a quest to better themselves and whatever that is like i actually don't i don't want to make a lot of statements about what that has to look like um but again externalizing it is is something quite different so yeah um and 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 jumping to the conclusion that like oh you have this issue therefore we need to chop these bits off and give you this and blah 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 it's like well yeah and there should be a lot of work that goes into something before that. Right. And that the answer <laughs> is that not only do we jump immediately to surgery and hormones and, and changing your body, but also we jump immediately to the solution is everybody around you has to validate what's in your head. Right. Which is just a sign of not having a self-esteem, right? Yeah. So let's do some super chats and then we should call it a day because it's a long show. It's today. a long one. Yeah. Um, Pyrotomsky says that damn patriarchy and he shakes his fist thusly. Uh, he's probably looking at the, at the sky while he's doing it. Uh, <laughs> Daniel Harp says the virtue signaling TM is indeed, I don't know what that even means, but it's funny. Uh, APM says as a gay man, my career in the creatives is much easier than a straight white guy's. I'm exasperated by the treatment of white men. The hatred being built is no different to that of the Jews in the 1930s. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's getting harder for gay men as well if you're white, um, because you're like white gay men are slowly becoming the white straight men of yeah. global culture. Like it's just, yeah. So um, Andrew Joyner says Silicon Valley, we just want the best people who happen to be women, regardless of whether they are women or not. And that part is irrelevant. <laughs> yes. <That's>, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Well put. We just want the best people who happen to be. It's like when Biden announced, like, my VP choice will be a woman. What? How offensive. Why don't you say my VP choice is going to be the best person available, not a woman first, and then the best of the women? <laughs> like, ew. Why bother says, the body is by is straight out of art altered carbon. P.S. The book is better. That is an Amazon show, I think. Right? I don't. I don't know the book. Pirate Tomsky says Chappelle did a great bit about a gangster trans boardroom exec who walked into the boardroom and threw 
his D1C on the desk as a means to negotiate. I think D1C <laughs> is yes, code for something. Word. Nice. Can I read uh, this one from, yeah. this is from Thomas St. Thomas. I know it might be out of order. Because I love, I agree with this wholeheartedly, Thomas. Narcissistic self-actualization is all there is without university morality, universal morality. It's no longer about what is right or objective. It's about my truth. I agree. Yeah. And I, although I, the one caveat I would say to that just to be nitpicky is I don't think it's possible, possible to self-actualize without a recognition of objective truth and universal morality. Um, I think the attempt to self-actualize while denying reality will fail. So um, I think it's ultimately not possible. Pirate Tomsky says, blouse, another tomorrow. Skirt, Alexander McQueen. Vagina, Dr. Toboggan. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know that those were brands. So I guess I guess those sound that those brands. You know your brands better than I do, Pirate Tomsky. Um, Joey D one thirty says, "I work a well known electric vehicle company in in Palo Alto, and I haven't seen any toxic masculinity or any behavior they describe. Is it one that happens to be moving to Texas, <laughs> Joey?" Uh, yeah. Um, Ken Andrew B Joyner. says, Ken oh, B ahead. says, recently an older woman I know asked me, who decided it is clever or interesting to be a pervert? I think that sums it up pretty well. <laughs> I do too. I do too. One. Yeah. Um, Andrew Joyner says, it's making oppression a privilege. Crafty stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the inversion of the, the oppression hierarchy, right? It's, Here's the oppression hierarchy, yes. therefore we need to invert it. Um, and that's that's where we are. All right, I think we made it through. Um, this is, I don't know if you saw this one. It, you Maybe you read it when I was in the bathroom. It says, when when I think Superman, I think green ego butt stuff. <laughs> did you oh, read I that did one? see that a while ago, yeah. <laughs> I'll in case you guys it. missed it, he's now, uh, what, he's bisexual Superman now? Is that Superman the is now bi, and also he's a protester against climate change. He's carrying a sign against climate <laughs> change on the cover. Yeah. I, I did see a Babylon B article that said instead of kryptonite, now his Superman's vulnerability is the is misgendering. Like wrong pronouns. <laughs> and there was a villain just yelling, he him at Superman. And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> or MAGA, a MAGA hat. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Red hats. All right. Oh. Well, um, thank you guys for, oh, Paratomsky says it's Superman's son. Everyone's saying Superman, but then they said they used a name that wasn't Clark Kent. I assume that there's just like the next generation Superman. I don't know what it is. Yes. It's, that stuff. it's Superman's son, but he's like the new Superman. I mean, he's wearing oh, okay. Superman's outfit. Okay. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I think his name was Joe or something. Joey. Joey Superman. John Kent. Yeah. John. Okay. Oh, yeah. And Jack Bennett Armstrong says, also Superman's new motto is not the American way, but a better tomorrow. I saw that. It's truth, justice, and a better tomorrow is the new thing. And I'm wow. wondering. Yeah, but I'm wondering why they didn't just go full force and make it truth, justice, and the ideology that undermines the meaning of truth and justice. Because that would be a right. better description and more accurate um or build back truth better. justice and neither um so all build right back, well build back better for a greater reset tomorrow 
Like, yeah, yeah, that would be a go back better for a greater reset. That's it. Joseph Oaks also <laughs> offers truth, justice, and F America, which I think also yeah. is a good candidate for that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everyone for watching. Uh, I guess I'll be here on Wednesday for Dangerous Thoughts. Um, and we will see you on Friday. I don't, do we even know who's coming on Friday? I don't think we do. <sighs> Carrie's yawning. While Carrie's yawning, I'll read another super chat. Johnny Boy Quickdraw says, it's a Gundman, Gundam, Gundam? It's a Gundam pointed out in a recent video that Superman could literally freeze the ocean and make more ice instead of holding a sign in protest. You know, I didn't, I wasn't aware of his powers, but I was thinking to myself, is protesting really the best use of his time if he's worried about climate change? I, he was able to fly around the world in the movie and make it really like reverse time. He's got to have some other tricks up his sleeve to actually, uh, yeah, I don't know. All right. No, I had never heard of Gundam. So everyone's like, it's a Gundam. I don't know what that is. It sounds like it's a YouTube channel. So okay. there's also also in that image, though, there's another protester there because Superman's with some other teenagers or whatever protesting with signs. And one of the signs says there's no planet B. And people are like, oh, there, uh, is there is. And yeah. Superman exists in a multiverse. It, there's like <laughs> lots of other planet Bs. Kathy <laughs> <laughs> Aspie says Superman gets his power from the sun. Oh, yeah. So he he should be happy with more sun, right? Uh, I don't know. Does he have pink hair now? I, the picture I saw, he did not have pink hair. He was kissing a pink uh, hair. Was he kissing a pink hair? Mm-hmm. Now I have to bring it up. Hold on. Yeah, it was oh. a pink hair. Yeah, he was pissing, pissing, kissing, <laughs> kissing a pink hair person. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't think we need to look at that. I will say goodbye. Have goodbye, a good day. Farewell. Have a good week. See you guys on Wednesday. Do, who's coming? Do we know anyone who's coming on Friday? I don't know. Maybe. People will be here on Friday for Coffee Fever. Oh, I interviewed I Odin from oh. Odin's movie blog. And Is that going up this week? I think it's going up on Thursday. So you guys, oh, cool. it, it was so, I'm trying to get back into the swing of interviews, even with my post-COVID brain fog. And you'll have to bear with us. It's slowly coming, coming, my brain's coming back, just like my sense of smell. I think I'm at 10% capacity right now. Uh, efficiency, 10% efficiency. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Take care. All right. Bye everyone. Have a good one. See ya. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and scheduled for ideological vaccination. 
To avoid cancellation, please update your ideological contact tracing app on your smart device immediately. Here's a fun fact. Only vaccinated black lives matter. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks at the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.